0: Eight weeks with no definitive end date because it's a dynamic situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mean 18 months, but. Mm-hmm.
0: You think it'll be a year and a half?
1: I mean, I this is my prediction. I think they're going to rush a vaccine and like kind of cut some corners there. Uh, uh-huh. But it could be a year. I could see them trying to get a vaccine out by like November of this year just to like not hit the the, you know, cold season again. Right, but yeah. What do you? Let me ask you a question. What did you have for dinner today?
0: Today I mm-hmm. um, haven't really had dinner. I just heated up a. Uh, I guess it's dinner. I heated up a Tina's burrito right before <laughs> this because I realized I hadn't eaten in like <laughs> eight hours. Nice. What I mean, what is your? So how are you? You're in the Lost Bunker. You're in the Delos Bunker. How how are you? <laughs>
1: I had <to> steak tacos <laughs> for dinner. Oh, beautiful,
0: beautiful. Mm-hmm. I've So I've got a lot of like junk food and I've got a lot of like I can make myself enchiladas two nights kind of meals. You know what I mean? I actually have mostly
1: like pasta and stuff for tacos. Like I've been eating a lot of ta- uh, tacos and I've got some sandwich stuff and mm-hmm. you know, I'm fine. Um, I got the canned only,
0: soup. Yeah, I got a wild r- variety of shit.
1: I, I uh, was not able to find any spiral mac and cheese because it was all sold out. I'm pretty upset about that.
0: I bet. Mm-hmm. What about fruit? <laughs> Did you get any fruit? I've got
1: some little fruit cups. I had like fresh fruit for, like last week, but you know, I mean, okay. I could probably go get some more, you know, but I've got like yogurt and cereal and other shit, you know. Okay. I don't know. I'm like honestly thriving, but you know, I realize <laughs> not everyone is.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, some people, this is their, this is their media. I do really feel bad for people who, you know, like I've gotten got laid, people off. People, yeah, got laid off. Yeah, who have gotten laid off. And some of them, it's like, oh, they said that maybe they'll hire us back when this is all over. And it's just like, I, I think that's great if there's a business there.
1: A lot of people are in and not just people, but, you know, the institutions are saying, oh, it's, it's going to be a couple of weeks, you know, and then we'll see. And it was like the virus isn't just going to go yep. away by the end of March, you know. Like, all we're doing is slowing transmission right now. I don't know. Have you gone out much or are you just mostly hunkered in?
0: So, basically, uh, went to the office for a couple hours on Tuesday. Got the email in the middle of a conference call that said, everyone go home. Stopped at the grocery store. That took two hours. Uh, got home. Finished two my hours call huh? from home. Yeah, it took it took a while. I mean, it was packed. And so, I'm also, like, trying not to get too close to people. And the shelves are pretty picked over. And the lines were long. Um but since then I had to go in the office one more time to pick up some shit before the shelter in place and I hit the grocery store one more time. But other than like going for a walk yesterday, I've been hunkered down in my bunker.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't gone out too much. I mean, I had to go to the store a couple times. I went to Lowe's yesterday. I've just been doing some, you know, home improvement stuff as long as I'm here. So good times. Got a bunch of light bulbs. I'm,
0: I mean, at some point my employer will realize that the the large amount that they're paying me to work from home. I'm really, there's not a whole lot I can do.
1: I you got to ride that as long as you can, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I can remote into my work computer, but even then there's a, there's a physical component of things that I need that I don't have. Mm -hmm. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. What are your goals? You're just going to like do some home improvement.
1: Um, and try to paint the laundry room tomorrow. Finally ordered a washer and dryer. Nice. Yeah. And then eventually you got to get back to trouble.
0: Excellent. People need trouble now more than ever.
1: It is kind of weird that I finished the draft of book two, like right before all the shit really started to hit the fan. You
0: know? And yeah.
1: So I, I, Good I timing. Needed, yeah. Well, I, I needed to like, kind of like take a, a mental break from it anyway. So definitely have other everything <laughs> to think about.
0: Good time for a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the world is fucked. Uh, we have no leadership in America.
1: <laughs> I mean, it has. I don't know. It's it's weird to be writing kind of a fairly lighthearted, you know, YA murder mystery, and like being aware, you know, as you check the news every day, like oh, a few more deaths in Italy. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: You go. Uh, was it write another lighthearted YA scene here?
0: It's like projected twenty-five million deaths in California.
1: Deaths now that not that many people live in California.
0: I saw something was crazy. Some numbers no, in the fifty-six percent are expected to be infected in California. Infected, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun in like Trouble Book Four when uh, the population of Blackbird Springs is like half.
1: Well, you know the the book theoretically takes place like right now, so I, I yeah. guess we were just going to say that it exists in an alternate reality for where the coronavirus does not exist. Because otherwise, that I yeah, especially because well, I won't get into that, but they they have some travel plans, you know. So
0: yeah, oh, that's that's not happening. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the the last scene of the last book of Trouble is someone like, all right, Jenny, who's who's the real killer here? And she's just like looks around her ghost town. Who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. It's gonna be weird like this, for guys. We're back to Skype. Gotta hate Skype. It's gonna be weird like it's a Skype, but also I don't know, maybe some slight cabin fever. Eh, I'm fine. I mean, because you always had the option before, at least to go out and get some sunshine. And you can still do that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine with shelter in place to go take a walk. Just gotta avoid people. Um Although I gotta say, it's a little annoying when you're at the store and like there's some people who just like are not respecting the uh, social distancing rules, and just glare the fuck at them, be like, "Motherfucker, step back!" You
0: know? Yeah, yeah.
1: You're just watching the checkers, like looking for any here at coffee, and thinking, "Is this how I get it?" You
0: know? Well, but when you have that like dark thought, like unfortunately they're going to be the ones that go. It's like that's not how it works. Viruses aren't Hannibal Lecter; they don't start with the rude. All right,
1: let's start Yeah, yeah it's something. Hello, and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Hi. Hi. We're back. Doing more of these lately, because, you know, why not? Might as Just well. A free time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. Things have lined up pretty well for me. My job is very low stress right now. I'm working from home. Nice. So it sucks for everyone else out there who does not have such a pleasant situation though. I mean, I think both of us know people who've been laid off already. Um, yeah, it sucks. I don't know. It'd be nice if a uh, could should get their shit together to pass some sort of relief bill. But it seems
0: that it, it's
1: like what a week later and they haven't done anything yet. No,
0: well, he just did the was it emergency like defense production act today. Did he actually do it, or he keeps saying he's I don't going know. to do it, but he doesn't? But I mean, like that it. should have been that should have been two weeks ago when we were saying it was it a, should have been a month hoax. ago. Yeah, well, at, but at least, but like, like the whole time when we were like, oh, it's not serious, it'll pass, it's a democratic hoax. That's when we've been should have been fucking doing this. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, it's weird because it brings out the worst in celebrities. You're going to get all the fucking. I was say, should, should
1: we uh, should we sing Imagine
0: for everyone? Yeah. <laughs> um, it would have been especially poignant if they had worked Vanessa Hudgens into that medley. I um, just
1: can't bring myself to give a shit about her dumb take. I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to be mad at her. I'm just like, whatever.
0: I'm sure there's it's she, she's it's clearly
1: drunk or high as balls. And so it's like, yeah, that's embarrassing for you. But
0: inebriation and a big yeah. microphone are not good bedfellows. Mm-hmm especially in, in poorly informed about a situation.
1: The yeah. reaction to the imagined thing, I found a little bit fascinating because it, it seems like the usual bullshit is, I don't know if it's just because we have social media now or not. Cause like you think about like nine 11, like after nine 11, was a lot of like just dumb pageantry that everyone kind of yeah. just had to go along with, you know? And I don't yeah. know. Is it, is it just because like, you know, the type of social media we had now didn't exist then, that we didn't see more of a backlash, or maybe it was just like a different uh, I don't know, mindset of the country, because now it seems like people are just like completely done with that kind of bullshit.
0: I it's I think like, it oh was you're singing imagine fuck you. Yeah, I think it was easier to fall in line with the patriotism mm-hmm. than especially with the internet culture. Uh, yeah. I mean I I feel bad for People losing their jobs or people who are suddenly thrust at home with their kids, you know, where they live and, and trying to think like, God, how do I wake you up and get you to sleep and make sure you eat and also educate you? Kids, man. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why people do it, but they still do it.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what do we want to talk about here? Now that we've had our, our Corona <laughs> discussion.
0: Corona update.
1: I don't know. Do people mind that? I don't know if they do. I don't mind it when I listen to podcasts. Like uh can't remember what pod I was listening to. It might have been uh Riverdale Register where they seemed like concerned that people would be mad. It's like, yeah, go with it, you know? Mad about what? Uh, mad about talking about the coronavirus and stuff. It's like it's on all our minds. We might as well
0: discuss. Yeah. I mean, you know what you're downloading the podcast for and it's affecting you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean,
1: if you downloaded it like two years from now, it might be weird or something, but yeah you know that's it depends that's a slice of to uh, life
0: i've listened to podcasts that were clearly about one thing and it was obviously that the hosts this was their bridge to like their person like building their personality and their brand uh-huh. and they'd be like let me tell you a 20 minute anecdote that yeah. didn't come up organically and sure shit doesn't tie in what we're talking about uh-huh. but yeah i mean it's like we're <laughs> we're shelter in place and we're podcasting it's gonna come up I, I wish I had the, a fucking Riverdale to talk about.
1: I assume there are parts of the country that are not doing that, right? Because I, I know there's like a, a few major states have like kind of declared the shelter-in-place laws. But I'm guessing if you live in I don't know like North Dakota or something, is it just business so, as usual there?
0: Or? It's not even not even just that sparsely populated, like that fucking I fucking retweeted a tweet that was just like in a radical change from my youth. Now I'm yelling at my parents about going out. My Hmm. mother lives in Georgia and she's like, Oh, I've got dinner plans of a bunch of people tomorrow. And I'm like, no, you don't No, You fucking don't. She's like, Oh, I got a hair appointment next week. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. What the fuck? No, you don't.
1: My parents too. I don't know. I don't know why the people most at risk are like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, what are you watching?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everything. I'm watching everything burn. Um, the usual shows. I've decided that I'm super fucking glad that Westworld came back now. I don't know that Devs is the right show for this time, but I'm glad that Westworld's back.
1: I mean, Devs has been fine for me so far. I haven't watched episode four, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> Release all of Westworld right now, you cowards. Yeah, I like People it weekly.
1: It. I don't I don't want to binge it. You know, I I got plenty of other shit to do. I'm still behind on a few shows, so I'm fine. Mm. I'm playing some video games trying to okay, gr- grind my way through this game called the outer worlds, which is basically like a fallout knockoff.
0: Okay.
1: It's fine. Um, does the, I think you, you had already seen the episode I saw last week, but uh, I don't know. I, oh, I, yeah, I was yeah. listening to the watch podcast. and They're talking about how the show kind of like undercuts its own tension. By mm-hmm. like when they have her where it seems like she's going to commit suicide and then you realize it's all just like a, a ruse so the the friend can get inside the office. And it's mm-hmm. like it kind of like deflates that scene because you're not worried anymore. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, again, it's it's not even just that. It's the fucking episode one. And then there's like, uh, you know, this season on devs and they tell you what the machine is, which they don't do in episode one. And I'm like. Why can't we find out what the fucking machine is in episode two?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, but I, I, I still feel like this probably should have been a movie. You know, it, it doesn't. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't seem like it so far has required three episodes, like almost three hours worth of time to tell the story. You know,
0: and it's not even that I would say we're getting a particularly interesting like measured character study of like the rest of the yeah. devs team that they're very slowly like trying to make a big deal out of out of yeah well like uh uh the other two um members of devs other right. than Allison Pill mm-hmm. and and uh Nick Offerman like they're bigger deal in like 2 3 and 4 um, where we obviously need more Jamie
1: yeah, I don't. Do we know how many episodes is it? It's, it's a miniseries, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's eight. Eight. Okay. Oh. Like I, I would argue that when you finish episode four, you're not thinking like, "Wow, we're exactly halfway." Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, let's see. I think that's about all I'm watching. I, I'm like a little behind on Picard. I have like two episodes to watch right now.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna be frustrated.
1: Oh, wonderful.
0: You're going to see a familiar face that you should have expected to see mm-hmm. and you're going to be frustrated. Okay. Um, but yeah, Westworld though. I'm, I'm thrilled. I love that episode.
1: I mean, I, I really, I enjoyed it even though I can kind of like critically look at it and be like, well, all that just fucking sucked, you know, <laughs> like um, mm-hmm. pretty much everything that's not Dolores and uh breaking bad guy. I mm-hmm. don't really care about like right so far. Um, Bernard Bernard's plotline is like totally boring. Like, I'm sure that'll mm. get somewhere eventually, but so far it's just like yawn.
0: Mm. The uh the opening with Dolores and the one guy, um, it's good. I mean, again, on a non prestige show, there's no reason that opening need to be that long. But
1: I mean, I kind of just want to watch like the Cyberpunk show about um Jesse. What is that guy's Caleb? Is that his name? Caleb, yeah, yeah, like just the cyberpunk sh- show about Caleb seems like a pretty cool and, show.
0: And him and like Lena Wait and uh, Marshawn yeah. Lynch when the when the fucking shirt goes from bored to amused when the thing blows up, I was like, okay, That's I mean, such that was in like the first
1: trailer. It. So I don't know. I feel like I kind of like got that joke a long time ago, but yeah,
0: whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a simple joke. It just works. <laughs> Are you good? I am most certainly not good, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, but the production value is pretty ridiculous on that show. It's nice to see a show that just really looks like it costs some money.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And every time they well, like
1: show the, that, uh, that like weird statue of the little girl and Devs, I'm just like, yeah, it's fake.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I kind of wonder though, if that works in its favor of how weird it is. Yeah. I know. Um, but yeah, like the fact on uh, Westworld that, That's a real motorcycle. They just like built that absolutely bizarre body to a motorcycle that that someone can actually ride. I love that.
1: Mm -hmm. Fucking John Gallagher Jr.
0: (laughs) How long do you think he's on this
1: show? That guy just seems like he's like starting to carve out a career as like that guy,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got the facial hair of one of those that guys.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. What are you listening to?
0: What about uh? Did you proceed any further, Nancy Drew? Uh,
1: I might watch like one more episode or something. There was they had to like go like to some high society. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't remember what they called it. Some like secret society club thing for an auction. I don't know. I, I still not, just I don't like the supernatural stuff in it.
0: That episode, it's like there's a lot of concepts there that aren't well thought out
1: well the the new guy they introduced i think his name's like owen or something Mm -hmm. he sucks yeah Mm -hmm.
0: well i mean i guess it depends on the only thing about owen is it 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 depends on how you feel about the chemistry between her and nick
1: i mean i don't think there's really much there but i also don't think there's any between her and owen either and like how old is owen supposed to be you know i don't know
0: yeah, that's a good question. But yeah, I just, I, I feel like they want to have this whole uh, pseudo like eyeshot Illuminati party mm-hmm. with the, the thing they go to in that episode. And it's like, are you guys considering the implications of what this means? I don't think so, especially if there's only two major families in like rural Maine here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like they are trying to straddle this line between being like, very adult and being like YA at the same time, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. It, it totally, the show all feels a little off to me because of that. Like be, be a high school show or be a show where Nancy Drew's 25.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they can't really do it because of who owns what, but I just kept thinking like Hiram Lodge was going to like strut in okay. there. That... Yeah. All right.
1: What are you listening to? Um,
0: just, downloading random things i was inspired by you last week so i went and downloaded more perfume genius uh, i downloaded songs by a band called sorry i saw or heard a song playing in the like background Canadian. of a fucking uh, i don't think so um it's not called sorry i heard a song in the background of like a fucking florence Pugh workout instagram story and i was like oh i'm gonna go download that war on drugs song mm-hmm. so i'm just like picking up little breadcrumbs of things i like i've been listening to more records i put on my Flip records Mac record the other oh, day doing some yeah. vinyl
1: huh are you yeah. are you I one have of those some guys
0: wow, okay. i have some vinyl yeah
1: okay you like the warmth
0: not necessarily yeah i like the forced i don't know focus mm-hmm. on the one thing
1: yeah can't skip tracks
0: which is the thing I love anywhere else, but yeah, I don't know. It it forces me to like really appreciate that little artifact.
1: Mm, okay, that's what good. You? I'm glad you have an affectation. Uh, I just mostly <laughs> I been have listening many. to to stars. Um, seems mm. like good music for the time we're in. You know,
0: new, old, all over the place. Uh,
1: the, the whole catalog.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: What are you reading?
0: I. This is fucked up. I am surrounded by books in my home and I have all this time in the world. I'm fucking yeah. what's his name in that episode of Twilight Zone? I have all the time in the world, and I have not in the last few days said this book. I shall sit down and read this book. So I'm open to suggestions.
1: Hmm. You? I, have a, I have a suggestion for you. It's a book I'm about to read as well.
0: You can read seven Eves?
1: No, it's uh it's called My Name is Trouble.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I think I've read it. I think you've heard of it.
1: Well I, I recommend you reread it as I am just about to start doing because I need to remember exactly what made it into the final draft of that book so that, uh, yeah. I know, you know, that, that I'm not, uh, making any mistakes in the next one.
0: Sounds good. hmm
1: I keep that continuity intact.
0: So everyone else go, go read. My name is trouble. Like I'm pretty Again.
1: sure that in, in book one, there is a scene where she like gets out of some handcuffs that she's in because she's, mm-hmm. you know, clever like that I think I cut that and I like reference it in book two and I'm pretty sure it's like no you can't do that because you cut it out of book one
0: yeah well so, and I also have my memory all the previous versions
1: yeah that's why I need to go reread again
0: remember the one where she creates the huge traffic jam no. that might have been one of the scripts
1: oh oh yeah yeah that was in one of the, the pilot scripts yeah well
0: also handcuffed
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah oh, a lot of versions of that she's, yeah. uh, she's nothing but trouble all right well, i would
0: still argue that the first one was the best first one what the first, the, first uh first version of the script
1: yeah yeah in in a lot of ways yes but but not yeah. not good enough I, i'd say the the best that we had but not good enough mm. um all right let's talk about 12 monkeys
0: let's do that
1: what a what a perfect film for this time that we're in.
0: <laughs> when you suggested this, was it just last week?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was like, "That's cute." And then as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, "This is this is prescient." <laughs> <laughs> the
1: 1995 film, I believe, came out yeah, like late December so. 95. Terry Gilliam directed. Would you like to give us your opening statement? Oh, by the sure. way, spoiler alert for this yes, five year old movie. I'm guessing a lot of people <laughs> who listen to podcasts have not watched. I don't recommend you go do that.
0: Yeah. Although it's um, not really like a spoilable movie. Very minorly. I mean, yeah. Anyway, so as I just said, at one point in this movie, there's there's a guy who might be a dangerous escape mental patient who's abducted his sexy doctor and made, him, made her drive him around through the, his delusions. And he says... You won't think I'm crazy when people start dying next month, mm-hmm. and that that kind of hung over me um oh, I it's, see you're it's dead a movie of, yeah i this movie is great i it's a movie that I was oddly drawn to as a kid, even though it's you know for example, it's like its future sequences are icky and bizarre and unreal um there's an aesthetic that I would hate anywhere else that I adore in this movie. The present day stuff is filled with these like off putting Surreal Dutch angles. Um, it's got a bizarre visual spectacle. It can easily be taken for granted, which makes sense, coming from an artist and animator like Terry Gilliam. You've got actors playing against their type, like Bruce Willis for sure, uh, especially Brad Pitt, who I think this is like the real start of him wanting to obliterate the notion in your head that he's handsome. A um, movie argues these definitions of sanity versus insanity are somewhat fluid. Uh there's this kind of fascinating possible comment about religion, those kind of systems. Uh, I think the movie would argue that faith of any kind is exactly what it is, a delusion, that something exists only in the mind, not the material world. So is having faith a sane notion? Or are we even rational beings? But this movie taps into, for me, like this th- feeling that's hard to define, like this place where movies and dreams merge with your memory and your sense of identity. Something was important to you, was inspired by or reminiscent of a memory of a scene from a movie, and then you go back to look at it. And it's different and you're different. There's something familiar and yet unfamiliar waiting for you there. Um, also, there's a lot more butts in this movie than I remembered. A lot of ass. A lot of ass. Like, like not even just direct ass. Like, like inference of ass. So, that's where I farted over to you.
1: All right. Well, what a better way to spend shelter in place than a trippy time travel romance about a deadly virus that wipes out humanity Tries Uh you underground I think this might be maybe like the first like kind of like quote unquote arty movie or art, you know artistic movie that I can remember seeing or at least being old enough to at least somewhat appreciate like what it was trying to do um mm-hmm. somehow I talked to my dad and like taking me to see this in the theater I don't really know how or why I was interested in this movie but I was um it's got this like Dreamy, fevered, like paranoid mood that's kind of always stuck with me. Uh, Bruce Willis is probably at his grossest. Um Early bald role for him, and he's just drooling nonstop. It's really off-putting. Malin Stowe plays Doctor Catherine R- Rayleigh. I keep wanting to say Caitlin Riley because uh, the names are similar. <laughs> um Probably a little too trusting to James Cole, but the movie kind of suggests that there's some like recursive connection between the two, and kind of like yeah. dares you to explain it. Uh, yeah. rewatching it again, I really appreciate 12 monkeys for being a movie that's meant to be experienced, not understood. Like it's the good kind of ambiguity where it's, it's not afraid of, of, uh, you know, delivering unsatisfying answers. It's confident in manipulating the audience into the headspace of the protagonist. Uh, I suppose some people might find a movie about a civilization ending virus with a downer ending unsettling right now, but I felt, you know, oddly optimistic when it was over. It's a, it's nice to appreciate good art even though I, I think Terry Gilliam he's like canceled now isn't he yeah I feel like you feel like he said some some sort of jackassery about like take your pick you know
0: yeah 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 this movie it, it gets at a lot of the things in time travel that I love I remember for whatever things I was interested in as a kid there was like a magazine that I was drawn to so when I was a uh nerdy comic book kid there was wizard magazine oh yeah when i was uh yeah, when Premier. i was playing when i was playing music there was uh guitar world i wasn't so much a premiere guy though i do remember reading the fight club issue i was I like a, i, I kind of
1: dipped into premiere occasionally you know But I was more of an entertainment weekly Premier. guy
0: i know it sounds douchey in retrospect to 2020 to say how much i remember the fight club issue i believe that was issue was fucking awesome fight i re- believe there was an article on the back of that issue somewhere in that issue or they were saying basically like, You haven't heard of it yet, folks, but there's these books in England for kids that are coming <laughs> to our shores and they're a big fucking deal. And they feature a spectacle boy wizard. But uh uh Cinescape magazine was the weird, nerdy oh, yeah. genre magazine that I discovered around right before this. And I just remember like pouring over the articles and the weird pictures and
1: well, talking about
0: like if I'm not uh air.
1: if I'm not mistaken. That had the like listings in the back of like movies in development. Yes, and so yes. It's like, oh, Alien versus Predator. Whoa. What what's new on that?
0: The only website that I think was close with that was um was it <laughs> funnily enough, Corona <laughs> coming attractions?
1: Good old Corona, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. It's same same type of vibe where it's like like this movie's probably never going to get made, but like keep giving me updates on, you know. Yeah. Terminator 3 or or you know whatever other sci-fi movie they're talking about.
0: And not in that garbage Harry Knowles way where like like Harry Knowles reminded me of obviously like the internet reject version of Jimmy Fallon where like he can't be your gateway to the thing like he needs to be on stage yeah. with like he needs to be a part of like oh for whatever fucking popular band I've got on the stage tonight I'm like the fifth member right now and it's just like that, that's what always drives me nuts about some of those people. Whereas I don't know, Coming Attractions, it just got me like
1: Yeah, Corona Corona Coming Attractions and Cinescape, those are both very much my jam back in the day. I remember hearing about like Alien versus Predator and just thinking it sounded so cool. And then I eventually got my hands on the script for that and it was really good. And then the movie they ended up making was garbage. <laughs> and like nothing well, there like was the a, script at all. Yeah.
0: I want to say Cinescape was the first time I read an article about a movie I've never seen, which is Alien 3, and just like mm. the different iterations of that. Back to that
1: premiere magazine real quick. I definitely have yeah. a, a very vivid memory. I was probably like 18 at the time or so. It was like mm-hmm. over the summer and like we like discovered that issue of Premiere Magazine about Fight Club at Barnes Noble. And it was You just were probably nineteen like,
0: and I was 18, yeah. No, I
1: was still 18 then. Uh but it was just okay. like it was just like, yo, this is the new shit. And yeah. like we just like devoured that whole issue. And it's like this sounds fucking amazing.
0: Somewhere I have that issue. Yeah because i bought it and it's like it's weird this thing that i've kept for years though Uh, who knows what condition it is or where it actually is but yeah so in case you're listening to this and you're young we are obviously very old (laughs) i mean the movie they don't say it in the movie i think that the future stuff is supposed to be 2035 but i kept Mm -hmm. thinking like fuck what if this was like right now? it's
1: 2020 (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh, uh top moments i've got seven I have eight. Eight. All right. Well, you get to go first then.
0: Um, My number eight, I don't know. This movie, it charmed me this time. And it's it's L.J. Washington. And he just struts up in the the day room and he says, I don't really come from outer space. <laughs> uh, I have the whole thing. I'm not going to go into it. But I just love at the very end is he's making a pretty good case for mental divergence. Uh-huh, yeah. And then he just like rests his head on Bruce Willis' shoulder. And he's just like, tell me. Are you also divergent friend,
1: but it, it's so on the nose that it's kind of bracing, you know, cause you're like, yeah, yeah. wait, am I, is this supposed to be what I'm interpreting from the movie now or is the, they're, they're just messing with me.
0: <laughs> there's something, I there's a little bit of not, not utilizing language, but like, it's a kind of a similar thing with Cole and like the dude where he just picks up the scraps so that other people drop off. Uh-huh, yeah. And he like, assembles like a weird armor out of it. But like Gilliam in that moment, like Gilliam then like cuts down to LJ Smith. Like he's in a tuxedo, but he's wearing like bunny slippers. Like <laughs> there's always gotta be some tweak that he does to everything.
1: Yeah. Let's see. My number seven here. It's a line of dialogue. Hey, hey, is that the cops? I'm an innocent victim in here. I was attacked by a coked up whore and a,
0: a fucking crazy dentist. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! I might have fucked this up. Oh, um, how so? I might actually have. I might actually have nine. Okay. Can I do two real quick?
1: Sure. Do you not number <laughs> Sorry them? About
0: that. I did. I just. I go back and I reorder them as I put them in, and I had two eights. Um, mm-hmm. My 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 real number seven or whatever eight A is mm-hmm. uh, when we check in with Cole Call in the future. He's staring at the yeah. He's staring at the painting of a beautiful landscape at the sunset, which I guess um, I have somewhere later. And the music's playing and the scientists rise up singing Blueberry Hill. Um, and as they're explained to him, like, you've got your pardon. You'll be out of here in no time. And the one guy's just like, women will want to get to know you. <laughs> um, and then my real number seven is just Brad Pitt at the outskirts of his father's dinner party. It's absurd. It's operatic. Um. I love it. You're paranoid. You're delusional. Your process is all fucked up. It's very proto Tyler Durden. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the genesis of all the like ticks of his acting style.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, so, let's see. Six. My number six. Yeah. Uh, when Cole is driving with Rayleigh and they're talking about the kid in Fresno. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I really like that scene and just the the background plot of the kid from Fresno. And the way it comes up, the first time he like, all all he says is like, I'll never cry wolf. You know, he's like, I don't want to listen to this. And like later, like he's, it's like he doesn't want to come out and say, I know exactly what's going to happen with this. But like when he's kind of like press on it, he's just like, forget about it. It's bullshit. It's just a prank. He's hiding in a barn. You know, like I like the way he kind of underplayed it rather than being like, let me prove to you that I'm from the future. You know, it's like he doesn't really care about talking about that.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I almost want to have that that whole progression of that
1: uh-huh.
0: background storyline in there. But similar to that is um, my number six is when they're in the car, he's just abducted her. He's enjoying the small comforts of 20th century life. Like he's listening to the radio and he mistakes an advertisement for like talking to him. It's an advertisement. Um, he hears. <laughs> yeah. I've never been to the ocean. Yeah. And he's like, he hears about the kid for the first time. And then he just sticks his head out the window like a dog and gets to listen to uh Louie Armstrong's. What a wonderful world. Mm-hmm.
1: The the pronunciation of advertisement has always stuck with me after watching this movie. Like every time I see that the word advertisement printed somewhere in my head, I think it's an advertisement, Mr. Cole.
0: Like you wonder, did the British director like <laughs> yeah. force the American actor to say that?
1: I don't know. I like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, number five. Yep. Uh, it's just a small moment late in the movie where uh, Dr. Goines, the elder Goines, is uh, having a chat with Dr. Peters there and just kind of expressing, uh, you know, maybe we should uh, beef things up around here. You know, just be safe. And <laughs> Dr. Peters is just being creepy as fuck, you know. It's Like, oh, has she succumbed to her own Cassandra complex? Hmm.
0: It made me think that we really slept on the abilities of David Morse.
1: He's such a fucking creep.
0: Yeah, I have a lot to say about him later. Uh, okay. Number five, is when they stop in the city, uh, Cole sees something, jumps out of the car. Like she sees this as an opportunity. Like she reaches over, shuts his door. She is ready to drive off to freedom, and she hears him screaming out, "Here it is! Here's the proof!" And we like slowly zoom in on her. She just like fucking wrestles with like mm-hmm. there's something about him that she's drawn to, but also as a psychiatrist with the weirdness surrounding him for the past six years, it's like. She's compelled to find out if it's a real or a delusion, and then it's it's graffiti for the Army of the Twelve Monkeys. Yeah.
1: Let's see. My number four is uh, Cole trying to explain himself to the panel of doctors. Uh, kind of mm. early in the movie, and he's in the institution, and he's like drawing the symbol, of the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, and I don't know, just dig all that.
0: <laughs> so weird. Just the look of it is so on oh, the
1: the unique. visual mirroring that they do between the kind of experts in the future versus the panel of doctors in and the, and the or you know the present whatever you want to call the present mm. future there.
0: Yeah. It's it's very subtle like throughout the little things they do to mirror the future and then there's times when it's absolutely not like with the animals. Yeah. Um so remember number 4 is he's he's come back again. They're in the love hotel. Um, he's trying to like tell her that he's realized that he's crazy, that some of the weirdos in this story are figments of his imagination. He wants to get better and she can, she can't explain it or, uh, and he's like, well, I can't. So like, she's railing against predestination because if if that's true, that means 5 billion people are going to die. And then he says, I want the future to be unknown. I want to become a whole person again. I want this to be the present. I want to stay here this time with you. And then the fucking over the, top pimp comes storming in <laughs> oh shit like you and i just watched this a couple months ago and i already had forgotten about him what a pleasant surprise
1: it's just so weird yeah yeah uh let's see my number three is uh just the first kind of scene in the mental institution when we meet jeffrey Goines, played by brad pitt um he's really doing something in this movie like a yeah. I remember even at the time I was like, Brad Pitt, he's that like pretty boy guy whatever, you know, but it was like, oh, he's actually really good in this. And like, he's not, he's clearly trying to break away from that image that he had, you know, mm-hmm. he's weird. Mm-hmm. He's got all, all his like tics. He's got a little of that, that kind of like, ha 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 like, you know, like laugh that he does that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely came off as crazy. You know, he's doing the thing with his eye. that I guess, I don't know, I guess he can just do that.
0: The whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. he's uh sporting
1: actor nomination
0: yeah in the 90s he's got like basically his like seven haircut um i don't know it's that that performance of his it's weird watching it now because it goes the full spectrum where it's like i'm fascinated by it and then i hate it and then i go right back to being fascinated by it
1: i think you you see the seeds like he's not fully cooked yet you know it's like oh these all these little kind of ticks and hands mannerisms that he has these are going to get improved later you know you're going to see like better versions of these in future movies yeah
0: yeah yeah. but like his oral fixation like his hand thing his like psycho jazz hands yeah um my number three of course it's going to be on this list is when they're watching vertigo. (laughs) Um, and he's mystified by this beautiful enigmatic movie that he saw as a kid, which was the exact right reaction. Um, and he says, uh, it's just like what's happening with us. Like the past, the movie never changes. It can't change. But every time you see it, it seems different because you're different. You see different things, which applies to like all films you would revisit writ large. But then of course he falls asleep. He wakes up, he wakes up to the sound of cy- or, uh, to the birds because the birds are mm-hmm. playing now. He goes looking for her, finds her in the lobby, and she appears transformed with the Bernard Herman music from Vertigo playing where where Judy turns into duh, 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 Madeline.
1: Here I was born, and there I died. Yeah. My number two is uh, Dr. Rayleigh leaving the message on the cleaning company answering machine. Because mm-hmm. we, we've we already heard it played extremely weird and distorted. You know, have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, um, super creepy. But then when she comes over, she's like, it's okay. It's just a cleaning company. This is the message I left. And he's kind of like starts reciting it halfway through. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like a perfect, like chills moment. Like, oh, shit, this is all
0: real. You know, um, that's 100% my number two moment. Um, what's great about that scene is it starts with they've just left the love hotel. They're roaming the streets. They're both. bleeding Bleeding copiously (laughs) and she says try and fit in they
1: both just like have like bloody rags and tissues to their mouths because they've got like bloody noses or like yeah they're you know just cut out a bunch of their teeth i love the the, i think it's a little bit earlier but when he looks back and sees that she spray painted the thing uh -hmm. on the uh army of the 12 monkeys headquarters there
0: yeah yeah um, but yeah, he's, he's like, they got your message, Catherine. They played it for me. It was a bad recording. I didn't recognize your voice. So the mm-hmm. future's real. Uh, I think this movie started the chills that I get with weird, distorted voice recordings too. Like, there's two in the first season of Sherlock. Like, whatever the thing of the, her voicemail in this is the same thing I get with what's his name's. Like, I
1: gave you my number. I gave my number. I
0: thought you yeah. would call. But just earlier in that same episode, there's like the woman who's like crying on the voicemail because she's got a bomb strapped to her and she's mm-hmm. just like, hello, sexy. And it's,
1: yeah. I wonder if we have to send number one. We don't because my number one's essentially, I just wrote down Hitchcock blonde, but like I think that kind of encapsulates what you were talking about for your number okay. three there. Um, the bit where they're watching Vertigo, which I only saw Vertigo like last year, I think. So like for the longest time, that scene in Twelve Monkeys is my only kind of knowledge of it, and it all seemed extremely weird to me. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is this movie?
0: <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. Like the cross section of the tree. It's like, you know, Treaty of Hastings or whatever. You know, Magna Carta signed. Like,
0: right, right. Um. Okay, then my number one is I'm really, I really cheat. It's pretty much everything at the airport, but especially when his dream becomes reality.
1: I'll go ahead and just say that Hitchcock mod extends to that as well. The, the weird hazy imagery of it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like kind of like sun drenched and like diffuse. Yeah. The visual style. It's so dreamy and weird. And yeah, great.
0: Well, just the fact that as she's sitting there and he's died and we don't hear what his, his last words to her are, and then like she's distraught and she just starts like scanning the crowd and as soon as she sees like little baby James Cole she just smiles this like insane smile.
1: Well she's looking for him. She knows he he must yeah, be yeah, there. Yeah yeah. 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 I love but the way the like audio this... drops out when he runs through the uh metal detector. And you and just then hear it becomes it sounds
0: like this little violin yeah melody. Yeah, it's 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 I mean but like all the pieces are there and like, he just like kind of like finishes assembling the movie in this sequence and it just, it works. You have to, you have to stand. I mean, um,
1: it, it's an incredibly downer ending in a lot of ways, but it doesn't feel sad to me. I'm not, I'm not sure why that is, but like, I don't know. It's, it's like satisfying, I guess you're like, it was like, it was always leading to this moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, little James has his whole life ahead of him
1: or does he? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it, there's a question is, what does what is, is Jones saying at the end?
1: She's an insurance. Yeah. Theoretically, it's just to get the pure virus. It's not to fix anything.
0: That's I tell you though, when I first watched this movie as a kid, I thought she's gonna kill this guy, like somewhere here in the present day.
1: I guess she could.
0: Yeah. That's what I took her yeah. insurance to be. I
1: think that that's the hopeful read of it, you know? Yeah, yeah um although it's it's the virus is already out, out at that point because he, he loses it at the airport that fucking creepy moment where he like the he, guy he even uncorks it. he's like here see you can't even smell it and he has a, like yeah. weird smile he has like this his expressions like he he basically realizes he's killing himself to do this you know mm-hmm. you can see like he's kind of like gulping and like okay i guess we're doing this you know
0: which makes me think though is he going to make it for his entire world tour
1: I guess I think the, the incubation was like four days or something like that. So, okay. Should be able to. We're all fucking experts on, you know, viral. You yeah. Know, Forensic virology. Yeah. Asymptomatics and all that kind of shit.
0: And if you don't know, there's a meme out there that will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I am generally shocked at how long this movie is for coming out in 1995, though I think it works.
1: What? It's like. Two hours and ten minutes.
0: Yeah, I just I had this opinion in my mind that like, you know, they had to change the legislation at the end of the '90s for a movie to be longer than two <laughs> hours.
1: In my head, I always think you know they probably could have cut some of that uh, mental institution stuff, but I think you kind of need it. Like you need yeah. to fully embrace the idea that he might just be insane. You, mm-hmm. you and you need to the movie kind of makes you feel crazy in those scenes because they're so discordant you know
0: this is it ties into like i'm i'm the guy who i don't mind a certain level of ambiguity as long as that ambiguity doesn't you know completely take you out of the possibility of the plot and also can psychologically make you feel something or think something about the characters or make you wonder yeah well that's kind uh,
1: of what i was trying to get at in my opening statement this isn't ambiguity as in like we're just too lazy or we're like, we're afraid to give you the answer. And so we're Mm. just like, kind of like making a jerk off motion and saying like, Oh, it's supposed to be ambiguous. This is like, no, it's like, it's very intentionally ambiguous because they want to make you feel that ambiguity and kind of like put you in that headspace.
0: Yeah. And they, and they like walk it back a little bit. Every time you think you've got a definitive answer, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I, I, that alone just like leaves you so uncertain. But uh, so straight up wild opening text. Five billion dead from a virus in 1997. Oh, five
1: billion humans people who, will die from a
0: deadly virus in 1997. The humans who survive abandon the surface of the earth and the animals will rule it again. <laughs> um, and this is the excerpt from a diary of a schizophrenic in 1990. Baltimore uh, County Hospital. So Bruce Wilson is a convict from the future. He basically lives in a human chicken coop underground can, before we get to that can we just talk about the title card sequence
1: it's with, uh with the weird monkey spiral
0: i don't mind that i minor 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 make one change Ooh, i don't oh. know if i needed the circus music
1: oh throughout. how dare you
0: <laughs> i know i know
1: how dare you
0: i know i know are, i like it here is but this later are on. you trying
1: to tell me that you're in distress right now is this is this a coded message to me
0: no 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 i just think like this is a different choice than I would have made for sure. Oh,
1: the fucking accordion music is perfect in this movie. Okay, I can't believe that. I can't believe that.
0: I know. Okay, but I feel like we're gonna have a lot of shocking statements. That's... I feel like this could this could shockingly be a long podcast. I don't know.
1: No, well, we got time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> got eight weeks, baby. Uh-huh. Yeah. So human chicken coop sleeps in a hammock. I mean, no fucking privacy. What's well, the situation? Like He's like a situation? prisoner.
1: Apparently, we don't know. For what? what's the
0: jerking one out situation?
1: Well, when I watch this, I was, I think even like my first view and I was like, okay, he's a prisoner. But like, is everyone a prisoner? You know, like other than like the kind of, uh, you know, scientists, high muckety mucks. Like it seems like maybe everyone is just a prisoner.
0: Good question. Yeah. Um, also, Jose's fucking face wound
1: it's like a scar or like yeah like a
0: maybe like a radiation scar i don't yeah. know um so he's volunteered to, he's vol- voluntold to go to the surface which involves putting on basically a full body condom this
1: thing's gross everything about the future suit. technology is so gross
0: then a diver suit and then basically a giant ziploc bag that you can walk around in it's nuts
1: i guess that's oh. like supposed to be like um i can't remember what they call that type of air pressioner positive air pressure like it's supposed it, to like blow air out if you if your suit is punctured i guess is the idea okay you know
0: not, not not sucking it back in
1: yeah that's like what um in contagion that's what they're wearing uh like jude law has like his weird little suit he goes out in it's mm. like it's basically like a you know filled bag that's like you know has a constant air pressure pushing outwards in it so that mm. if it was to get punctured the virus couldn't get in
0: yeah Which is why the the various face masks people have now. it's the What is it? You're supposed to donate the N95s to healthcare professionals because they're the ones that protect you from breathing in, whereas pretty much everything else is to protect other people from you breathing out.
1: Yeah, and also they, like, literally don't have enough to do their job, so.
0: Right, right. Um, I saw a great point, just to go back to Corona update. I saw, like, an 18-second video on Twitter that changed my mind, which Mm -hmm. is basically, like, don't act like you're – don't be like afraid that you're going to get the virus and said, act like you have it already and don't infect others. That's, Mm. that's my, my soapbox. Uh, the opening credits that play are fascinating to me because there's like these like bullet points to keep the text as low to the bottom of the screen. I've never seen that before. Are you talking about the title card? Yeah. Not just the title card, but like just the, the, you know, production designer written by everyone. It's like, it's like they want to keep it as low to the screen as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got lions
1: on top of buildings. The weird guy in the future who's like, I don't know, the prison guard or like, I don't know who this guy is. He's like some sort of like, you know, cop or something. He's like, he's really big. He's got this weird, you know, steampunk futuristic suit on. He has like a flat top of white hair. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they find these actors, but there's something. Uh,
0: There's so many fucking interesting looking people in this movie. Uh Uh-huh. Like Terry Gilliam just collects faces.
1: Well, it should say right at the start, we actually get that the dream, you know, the, the flash forward, flashback, whatever you want to call it of right. the airport scene. And just like, I like how it's like, it's like these visual bullet points, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, a guy in a Hawaiian shirt with long hair running. I'm seeing like a woman in, in a, in a red dress and blonde hair you know, like it's very hazy. I think it doesn't come up yet, but eventually you get like the guy in the red ponytail starts to appear. Brad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. At one point it looks like it's Brad. Um, yeah, it's very washed out. I mean, I didn't track all of them, but it's interesting how they change, like how he interprets them of each new dreaming of the dream based uh-huh. on what he knows that moment. Um, but yeah, that's the first thing you see, which we should talk about for trivia stuff at the end. But, um, um, before Bruce leaves the surface, he finds a sign for the army of the 12 monkeys, the spray painted like we did it on there.
1: So I guess he's supposed to be collecting like animal samples like he gets yeah. he picks up a fucking giant gross cockroach. Yeah. Uh, puts it in a the thing. There's like a the bear that surprises him.
0: Well, the, the bear is great because the bear is seemingly like frozen like it's a stuffed giant bear at one point, which will be called back later in the past. And then it kind of like lowers itself and Mm -hmm. like howls and it's like, yeah, I'm a real bear. Um, then we go back down below and you get to watch naked Bruce Willis getting decontaminated yet again. They, well, that's the first time here, but first time. sorry. They drench him in milk. He looks like powder for Mm -hmm. a second. Um, some dudes like scrubbing him,
1: but before, and Hey, slow down a little, um, before we even get to that, uh, in the like abandoned shopping mall that he's at, I like how he's looking around. There's like, you can see like high heels are still on display. There's, christmas decorations up you know like you really yeah. get the sense of a sudden collapse of society here
0: oh so it's a christmas music movie
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a christmas movie it's too bad it isn't christmas right now what a what a fun time that would be
0: uh, well we had the it was like rainy earlier this week it uh-huh. felt right for being stuck at home somehow
1: how did this line get up on like the top level or like almost top level of this building it's like on the roof up there yeah i don't know
0: Oh I mean, how will the line safely get down is more my question
1: I guess it's the winter,
0: yeah, well, it's uh it looks like it looks like a nuclear winter, yeah, could outside. it be a
1: nuclear winter maybe you know I don't maybe. know we yeah. did it is a sign that he finds something like that, but yeah, there's a lot of uh him having his ass scrubbed down by uh you know the authorities
0: Mhm, what do you think mm-hmm.
1: they're spraying on him? What is that white shit like lie
0: or something? I don't know, it looks like pure milk.
1: Well, I mean, it may actually be milk, but like, I'm, I'm just like, what is the utility of it is what I'm wondering, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: (sighs) Some sort of decontaminant.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially because I I guess the issue with the virus is that the virus has mutated so many times in the future. So I don't know if this is just a take out anything that it could live on his skin.
1: That's a fun thing to think about with coronavirus.
0: Yeah. 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 Um. So we see him for a second there, like he's in a chair, like shooting himself up with something. What is that?
1: Maybe just some sort of like retrovirals, or I don't know. Who knows? You know, mm. some sort of just in case type medicine. They didn't then really come back hear, to it. It's weird that they let him do that.
0: You know? Yeah. They we hear someone actually say James Cole clear from quarantine. Yeah. So then he's taken to the scientists. These guys and lady are great so their roles are geologists botanists zoologists microbiologists eventually an engineer and then the astrophysicist who's jones jones
1: and he sits in this weird chair that then raises him up like 10 feet in the air i'm not exactly sure why i guess
0: according security
1: acor-
0: <laughs> according to some artists it's so that they could steal his his uh his look Some art piece he did. He got paid a huge settlement by the studio. Did you write down his charges? You know, I did not, know. Violence, antisocial sex, repeated violations of the permanent emergency code, insolence, defiance, disregard of authority, and all of this got him 25 to life. But I need to know, especially right now, what is (laughs) antisocial
1: sex? Jesus, really. I'm also curious to know, like, what... Like the, what are the aristocrats of this society? Like, what does their life look like? You know, like, where are they? A lot of weird eye gear. Yeah.
0: A lot of fancy, complicated eyewear. Yeah. We see
1: some like newspaper headlines, you know, clock ticking, no cure yet. Scientist says too late for cure. See Christopher Plummer there. Millions fear end soon.
0: I know this is years later, but this insane aesthetic to the future shit, I just have to wonder if like david lynch watched this and got harder than he ever was while making dune (laughs) well dune came first i know that's what i'm saying it's just like he's just like uh i'm a little bit hard when i make dune and he watches Mm -hmm. this movie and he's just like my god the possibilities
1: what is with the weird thing on cole's like smock or whatever that he's wearing like it's like weird like kind of plastic bag in the center of his shirt i don't know it's weird there's the TV ball. They make him uh, him and all the future just seem very unappealing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say that's definitely unappealing. Mm-hmm. He notices like the thing gyrating on the wall, which I assume is an air purifier, but maybe I'm giving it too much credit.
1: Oh, like the the weird kind of like pumping in and out thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just bizarre, and I think it's just meant to be bizarre.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently then, the uh, that like weird ball of TVs is a pain in the ass to work with. I like to get to shoot because it kept
0: breaking. I mean, I assume that that was to like gauge his reactions and see if he's lying or. or yeah, why.
1: like analyze him. There's like a shot of like a like a piece of paper with like a needle drawing a line on it, like a, you know, a polygraph or whatever.
0: Yeah. It's
1: all about how uh, technology, you know, is interceding in our lives, man.
0: Yeah. Well, but i so I mean, I guess the idea is that this is humanity and society like rebuilding from the remnants, so like all the technology's fucking run down and weird and uh-huh. cobbled together. It's got that like you know that Star Wars new hope like lived in vibe, just grosser,
1: yeah, definitely Much grosser. grosser, and I guess the the plot such as there is here is that I think him finding the sign from the twelve monkeys that says we did it has like encouraged them to investigate this further. So they want to send them back in time
0: to look it's around. A, it's their first lead. Yeah. yeah. Well, and supposedly he's got like a freakishly good memory. That's why he's going to be chosen for this.
1: Time travel is rough on the human mind. Yeah. And then it, yeah. it's interesting that it just kind of like fades out there. You don't see the time travel happen the first time. It right. just fades back to Baltimore in 1990 here. And it's this smart, like weird, weird, like poem lecture that, uh, Catherine riley Catherine riley is uh, yeah. attending in a pretty crazy dress you have to get a look at this dress here
0: did i get a look at this dress oh, yeah i didn't stop looking at this dress <laughs> she, she looks amazing looks here.
1: like a i don't know like a ninja x-man or something you know like it's like it looks like something kitty pride might have worn when she was like undercover
0: it, it worked for me. Yeah. Um, it worked for me as a kid. It worked for me now. Um, yeah. The weirdest art history lecture ever. Uh, then her beeper goes off.
1: Party foul, man.
0: Yeah. So she's yeah, called to do, beepers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's called to do a psychiatric evaluation of someone who was just arrested. Um, we get the shot of her in prison as she's being escorted past like the lockup with like the rowdy dudes. We get to watch as Madeline Stowe's like pulling her skirt down in the back as if she knows they're staring.
1: I mean, she's got like three inch heels on and like a pretty short black dress on. I yeah. wonder what her night would have held for her if uh, she hadn't gotten this page. It looks like she's like ready to go out and like, you know, hit the bars or
0: something. So art history lecture and then just like getting her, getting her swerve on. Good for yeah. her. Um, so the detective is telling her this dude was like stoned out of his mind. He like tested negative for drugs. He assaulted five cops. They gave him a sedative It barely knocked him out. No drugs, she, right? Yeah, no drugs, test negative for drugs. Goes in the talk to him. We get her ass right in front of the camera at one point. Uh, Bruce Willis looks like he's like spazzing out inside of a fast food wrapper. Fucking
1: just like dripping KY jelly or whatever this drool is yeah. supposed to be here. It's gross. The
0: the drool budget yeah. <laughs> is bigger than some catering budgets.
1: It's like between takes, they just like had one of those big hoses and they're just like splattering this guy. With like yeah. Vaseline and KY or something.
0: Oh, just spits more of this like slop out of your fucking mouth, Bruce. Yeah. Um, so she works for the county, not the police. She instantly thinks that she recognizes him from somewhere. Um, he thinks it's 1996 and she's just like, "LOL, that's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future? Well, not
1: only is he drooling, but he has this coat on. I don't know if this is like a raincoat or what. It's either transparent or it's the same color as him and it's also
0: mm. like covered in liquid. Yeah.
1: Like it's just everything about it is just disgusting.
0: Yeah. It's like it's pushed through and way past the all the possible iterations of how gross the word moist is. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs>
1: but yeah, you mentioned the time always like a good uh, what year is it in kind of a yeah. movie?
0: Yeah. I want to work that in. 1996 somebody, like... is
1: the future, James. No, 1996 is the past.
0: I mean, I'm like one week away from like, do you go out looking for a job on a weekday like that, sir? And I'm like, is it a weekday? To being like, hey, man, what year is it? When am uh, I? Yeah, so you take him to hospital. He's processed again. So more of him in the shower as some dude is like scrubbing his backside. Again, more of that Bruce Willis ass. He's that still ass. like pretty fit at this point. I Pretty in shape. I don't even think of this as just external objectification. I really feel like at this point in time in his career, Bruce Willis wanted to be viewed as a sexual entity. Like, you don't just agree to a star in Color of Night because you think the script is great, right? Yeah, although he
1: he he's bald for this, which, I mean, I'm trying to think if he'd ever gone bald previously. I mean, get used to it, Bruce. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because ordinary for a while, he he fought that, you know?
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well wow, that fought that fight was yeah As like george costanza said uh until then live my friend <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's a lot of uh in the whole movie but especially in the mental institution there's like always like a weird cartoon on in the background with like yeah. like the weird like cartoonish like mickey mouse like boing mm-hmm. and noises like that you know
0: yeah uh, it's, it's
1: just like those those sound effects just make you feel extra crazy it's so being go, introduced by Jeffrey Goines here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To the day room at the asylum, which looks like hell.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is my nightmare. Uh, yeah. This, this, might, this movie might be why I've never wanted to step foot inside a mental hospital.
0: Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever watch the Soderbergh movie? Unsane?
1: No, no, that that's my fucking worst nightmare. Fuck that.
0: I just think you should watch the sequence. I think it's like maybe five, six minutes in where she just goes and like talks to a therapist and it's like, she just makes an innocent wrong answer uh-huh, to uh-huh. a single question. And I always think like, man, I need to memorize that in case God forbid I ever end up in a fucking situation. Yeah. Uh, so the orderly pawns him off on Brad Pitt, uh, or has
1: a hit back. Yeah.
0: Um, to get Like I said, the usual oral fixation, the acting tics. He's got the jazz hands. goes everywhere, Plague of Madness.
1: When we were first introduced him, he's like ducking his head into his collar. So we yeah. don't see that as Brad Pitt just yet. It's a really weird like introduction as he just kind of like, you know, pokes his head out. Um, yeah. I like the bit with the games where he's like, oh, we got games that want to be free because they're like locked up in a cage.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's he's very good. Just like pinball bouncing off of all of this they do a great job
1: everyone like slapping their heads around
0: but like in the writing and in the the blocking and the acting like he knows this space he's got previous relationships of all these other nut jobs Mm
1: -hmm. it's also Um, filmed in like weird like you know low angles and kind of like tilting around and like it's it's all just like crazy making
0: yeah yeah um lj smith pops up in here um uh, and then eventually they go to the panels of doctors,
1: right? Well, after this long introduction, I like the bit where it's, it, when we first meet Brad Pitt, he yells at a guy for getting in his chair. And then at the end of the scene, he like looks over, he's like, get the fuck out of my chair. And he like runs off to yell at somebody else.
0: Yeah.
1: And, but yeah, then we go to the the panel of doctors here. Very intentionally kind of visually mirroring the panel of experts from the future. They they do that a lot in this movie. There's kind of like visual mirroring, which I one, think is just there to. It's like you're supposed to notice it and wonder, you know.
0: Yeah. At one point, they add a they add another. I think maybe it's when Madeline sits down or whatever. And then, like when you go back to the future, that's when they add the engineer. It's uh-huh. like mirror the exact same amount. But you got Frank Gorshin as like the lead doctor. He's the Riddler from the old Batman TV show. Um, is it so, just
1: me or? some of these like side actors not frank gorsham but some of the other doctors i would swear they like continue to show up throughout the movie in different like random extra roles like there's like there's certain faces that i feel like i keep seeing over and over again in this movie and i am pretty sure that that, like no that's the same actor and you just like use them as an extra to like make it weird
0: i would not be shocked i don't think this movie is like studied nearly enough i don't know I,
1: i was actually surprised i went and looked a little online like to see like you know, has anyone done any kind of analysis of that? And there wasn't any.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's like appealing to the scientist. He just needs to make a phone call. Could us all up? So they let him make the call. Um, it's just like this woman of her like crazy rambunctious kids. A- another version of my hell. Um, <laughs> it's not the right number yet.
1: It's yeah. It's only 1990. But I mean, so then, uh, uh what's her face? Um, uh,
0: Madeline,
1: Dr. Yeah. Doctor Rayleigh, she lets him make the call, which like you could see them not letting him do that, you know? Yeah. But yeah. like she's, I don't know, taken with him in some way. There's something mysterious about him. So she lets him do it, even though you can tell the other doctors don't really agree.
0: I feel like that's the it's the dance with the psychiatrist and the psychologist of like confronting your delusion and or like dancing around your delusion. But mm-hmm. she's yeah, there's a mystery to him that she wants to solve. And she's just immediately like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so then I think if I remember, correctly, like it's like cut right back into his dream at the airport. Oh, after the, up, uh,
1: the, the boarded phone call. Yeah. We go back to the dream and here we get some new visual details. We get the briefcase with mm-hmm. all the stickers on it. Yeah. And then we get the, uh, the red guy with the yellow windbreaker, red ponytail.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he wakes up from the dream and like his round, room where a lot of the uh the patients are sleeping. Um uh, there's a great detail where he looks out the window like the like iron-grated yeah. window or whatever. And there's just a couple like making out under the street light on the street below, which is just an interesting detail.
1: I mean, you could have shown anything outside that window and that's what he chose to show, you
0: know. Yeah. Um Brad Pitt wakes up, of course, starts going on his rant about germs, uh which is funny because the Brad Pitt character is ultimately played like a joke. But what he's dancing around is, like, enlightenment and, like, what appears to be insanity right now. Like, wait a moment. It will, yeah. it will be sanity. Like, he's talking about how, like, people didn't believe in germs. And then all of a sudden we, like, did some studies and we realized, oh, shit, germs are a real thing.
1: Well, he's, like, he's smart enough to be dangerous because yeah. you could see him talking his way out of a mental hospital when he yeah. clearly should be in one. Yeah.
0: Well, And he talks in, you know, insanity. But at other times he talks in, like, metaphor, like, my father is God. Mm-hmm. Um, he watches Bruce Willis eat a bug, which kind of throws him for a he's moment. It's just kind
1: of like okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so at a certain point, he gets he gets agitated. He alerts the orderlies. They come in, and he's just like, "I will admit, escape crossed my mind." And then he moons them. And it's the third ass <laughs> in this movie.
1: A lot of ass. Yeah, and he's just like running around. I I like when he we first comes over to Bruce Willis. So he just like crawls over this other guy's bed. The guy <laughs> yeah. kind of wakes up and he just like slaps at him. <laughs> like like he's just a, a terror like you wonder how long he's been here you know yeah probably not that long because he's like oh when my father finds out i'm here he's gonna be so upset you know and like move me into a nicer facility yeah.
0: <laughs> um so the next day in the day room uh brad Pitt comes to talk to bruce Willis while he's coloring or writing something of crayons it's writing like
1: <laughs> a. I think we find out later it's like a really sappy like love note to it's, dr rayleigh
0: it, the wording is, again, tying into a certain theme. But, yeah, so they're watching something about animal experimentation. and Bruce Willis makes this, like, throwaway comment, like, maybe the human race deserves to be wiped out. And Brad Pitt's just like, brilliant, I'm going to file that away. <laughs> what did you think
1: about all the advertisements for the Florida Keys here?
0: I did not notice those as much.
1: You didn't? Because they're all over the place in this movie. There's interesting. There's TV commercials, radio commercials, there's kind of just, like, signage throughout, like... Like, the Florida Keys is, I don't know, it's like the afterlife, basically, for him. You know, it's where he's always trying to get to.
0: Interesting, okay. That's
1: that's where they're going at the end of the movie.
0: Because I caught the bit of an interview clip with Gilliam where, of course, you're bombarded with the advertisements, you know, whether they be radio, TV, or whatever, throughout this. Because he despises modern society and the fact that we're constantly being advertised to. We're like... On the verge of like surreal, ambiguous art and like hardcore comments that he yeah. wants to make about what's wrong. So later we see Bruce Willis like doped up watching. Uh, I think it's Monkey Business, the Marx Brothers yeah, movie. Yeah, a lot
1: of monkey references in this movie too.
0: Back to the drool.
1: Back, back to the drool. He's oh, just dripping.
0: Did you see the IMDb no, not trivia. in the modern way? What, yeah. what trivia? There's one where apparently at the start of the production, Gillian gave Bruce Lewis a list of his own acting cliches that oh, he didn't want to see in the movie.
1: No blue steel, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then he he got uh, the performance he wanted wanted out of Brad Pitt by taking away his cigarettes.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um <laughs> uh, so there's mental patient pandemonium as Brad Pitt like creates a loony distraction in the day room so that uh he's gotten the key for well, the, a cold escape.
1: Jeff it's like the weird shit that's on the TV. It's like you see like a bear walking and then it like morphs into like a goat which then like morphs into uh, a steer. Like I don't know, it's just like weird visual. Like I don't know what the fuck is this like an ad for or what, but it's just it's more kind of crazy making content, you know.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um so downstairs in the hospital at one point we have the one doctor sharing a note from James Cole to Madeline Stowe which starts off with you are the most bootyful woman I have ever seen and you live in a bootyful world get it all that ass Um, Yeah, it really takes forever
1: to like escape here you know as Brad Pitt's causing all the distractions Bruce Willis has the key that Brad gave him and he's just like stumbling around can like barely make it to the door to unlock it
0: he's super drugged
1: yeah.
0: yeah um as he gets through it, like the fucking security guard it's fascinating to me oh
1: where like it's like a different changes? actor yeah
0: yeah he's like face changes but he's just like
1: so i think that's a guy from the future
0: okay well like this is clearly a mental patient and he's just yeah. like yeah the elevator doesn't work try the other one um to so get all these visual parallels between the, the asylum the consumerism of the present the dark future um at one point he like Bruce Willis goes into, like, uh, the room where they're doing the CAT scan machine, which I think is supposed to look like the time travel machine. I
1: mean, it's a similar process. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they eventually, you know, the orderlies capture him. Drag drug him. him like
1: drug like, him again. Yeah.
0: yeah. Tie him up or uh, tie him to, like, a, a a bed in, like, a solitary room he's in. And then he wakes up yeah. in the solitary in the future.
1: Well, before that, though, we, Catherine's kind of getting reined out by the Riddler and the other doctors here for being like, you showed poor judgment and like letting this guy be out of restraints, you know? And she's like, okay, I admit it. He's like, you're being defensive. And she's like, I'm not. I, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, classic sexism, basically. Uh-huh. Um. So he wakes up in the future uh, with Louie, the old guy, the voice, talking to him, calling him Bob. You really screwed up, Bob.
1: Oh, real quick. The the, the Riddler there, Dr. Fletcher, I think his name is. Um, mm-hmm. He does this weird thing with his mouth when they like find the empty solitary room. He's like this weird thing with his lips. Like it's yeah, it, I, it's I I guess he can only do that when you're old and you have like no teeth or something. I don't know. It's really weird. Um,
0: it's like a little like tick as he's like counting or whatever but like yeah wet mouth sounds keep that to a minimum Yeah, I don't need that Um,
1: so Bob do you think Bob's real oh before we get to Bob uh, or Louie he calls him Bob there's another dream sequence and then in this time we see that the the man with the uh, yellow you know uh, thing with the red hair is Jeffrey Goins it's Brad Pitt he says watch it
0: (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah so louis in the future i really wonder because you know spoiler for this 25 year old movie he will run into louis in the past but after <laughs> well
1: he runs into louis in the past and Louie's like oh you gotta cut your teeth out that's how they track you and then she finds louis later and it's like, hey, yeah. I need your help. Or, you know, like she tries to talk to him. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, like I'm just a well, weird, crazy homeless man.
0: Well, what's interesting, though, about that is that she's like, you were talking to James Cole earlier. And he's like, who's James Cole? Yeah. Which is kind of interesting because he does call him Bob that's
1: constantly. True. Yeah.
0: So he may not really know that that's his name. But yeah, it tells him that the scientists are spying on him. Maybe, maybe at the same time, he's just his head. And like Bruce Willis is basically saying, like, they. They sent me to the wrong year. And he's like, science isn't exactly a science of these clowns.
1: <laughs> Did you notice in the the set where they're all interviewing him, like above their table, there's mm-hmm. just like this wire that's like like moving. It's like on like, you know, like on a uh, pulley or system or whatever. And it's like all these little notes that are clipped to the wire that are just like moving across the frame.
0: No, it's really
1: bizarre. It's like that's their messaging system. Interesting. You just like clip a note on this thing and have it like slowly... You know, move where it needs to go.
0: Well, they're kind of doing social distancing there at their table.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the doctors asked him, "Like, what did you do with your time, Cole? Did you waste it on drugs, women?" Yeah.
0: Well, it's the second time because even Louis was time? just like, "Louis, like, what were you doing? Like, drugs and getting that pussy?" And it's like, wow, it makes me really wonder if this is a just in his head because I feel like if I had to guess, antisocial sex. It's probably just James Cole, like, jerking off in his chicken coop.
1: Ooh. I, I don't so, know. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, uh, it's, uh, multiple people are kind of, like, accusing him of, like, just wanting women, which he does want, you know, but it's, like, I I feel like the movie comes down on that's, like, a, a positive goal for him. But the yeah. all the people in the future kind of look down on that. I mean, I think there's a reason that he looks out his window and sees, like, a couple making out, you know?
0: You think uh the future's all about like preserving your essential juices?
1: Yeah, they probably have like some weird fucking, you know, nineteen eighty-four shit where like only certain people can get pregnant and that kind of stuff, I'm guessing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um so this is where we hear the the pitch shifted version of Mountain Stowe's voicemail, Merry Christmas. Yeah.
1: Um, you know what that just so, made me think of?
0: Huh.
1: Just like me, follow me, end up like me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, creeps me out. Um, so they're gonna send him back again. Uh he's in saran wrap. All these like things are attached to to his fingers to his like jowls. It's the first time we
1: actually see what time travel looks like, yeah.
0: Yeah. The weird little balcony they're on with their weird sunglasses. I kept thinking that that was supposed to be a callback to the weird. There's like a balcony thing when you first walk into the airport later. I don't know. Hmm. But there's be. like a dystopian steampunk vibe to all of this.
1: I did notice um, when they're showing the the whole weird time travel arrangement and whatnot, there's one shot where there's like a, it's just kind of like a big, um, I guess you call that like a, a dial or like a meter. You know, so it's like the needle moves from like, you know, left to right in an arc. But it's like, it's like um. a time needle. And so you can see, like, it's mapped out, like, you know, like 1920 all the way up to like 1990, you know, and it's 1996 is like where it's supposed to be set to. But the needle is back in like the 1910s and 1920s, which is why he shows up uh, in 1917. Probably it's like, you know, it like wasn't calibrated properly.
0: Well, and it's funny because the the one scientist says we're sending you to the third quarter of 1996 right on the money. So, of course, he's sent naked to the trenches of World War One. More ass. Um, then we sees Jose, his like cellmate in the next like chain link fence over, uh, um, like in the like, middle on of a mustard stretcher. attack
1: in the trenches. Yeah. yeah.
0: So like while trying to talk to him, like Cole was like shot in the leg.
1: Because well, he just appears out of nowhere. It's this naked guy doing in like the French trenches, you know? Yeah. And they've all got these well, gas love, masks on and they're like pointing bayonets at him and shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that the, the Jose thing comes up almost immediately right after. So there's a shot of then, uh,
1: them like. Taking a, a dude on a stretcher by, and he's got mm-hmm. like an amputated leg that's like twitching. It's like you, you got to get that in there. This movie's just very gross.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much about just the gross ickiness of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you go to 1996. Now Madeline Stowe is giving a lecture about doomsday prophets throughout history. Um, So what's the one line here? Obviously, this plague doomsday scenario is considerably more compelling when reality supports it with virulent disease, whether it's the bubonic, bubonic plague smallpox or AIDS now we have technological horrors as well such as chemical warfare it makes you wonder but, did she
1: become obsessed with the Cassandra complex because she met James Cole or was she <laughs> taken by James Cole because she was already interested in this topic you know
0: I'm going to lean towards the first the former yes yeah because yeah, uh the predestination and like all the weird paradoxes of this movie like the ouroboros of the plot like it just I don't know. I feel like it makes more sense that way. She does uh, uh,
1: show a, a photo of Jose. Actually, she's talking about like a soldier who's like found in the trenches, you know, in World War One, who, you know, didn't speak French, but had somehow like begun speaking like perfect English, and you know, foretold lost of all
0: uh, comprehension of French.
1: Yeah, an, an accent that was unplaceable, uh, and kind of foretold of foretold of. Uh, an act, uh, a viral plague that was going to hit in 1996. And they all laugh because it's 1996.
0: Hey, that's now. And there's David Morse of his long red hair.
1: His fucking creepy ass long red hair.
0: So she says, Cassandra in Greek legend, as you recall, was condemned to know the future, but to be disbelieved when she foretold it. Yeah. Hence the agony of foreknowledge combined with the impotence to do anything about it. So like later she's, getting, she's signing books, and he's like, uh, David Morse is like, hey, you're giving the virus a bad name. That the Earth cannot survive the horrors of mankind, was this like the, the homo sapiens motto of, hey, let's go shopping, is the rallying cry of the true lunatic.
1: Well, he's just going on and on with like, he's like just super reply guy here. And she's just like, mm-hmm. uh-huh, uh-huh, just like smiling as she signs other people's books as he's just like going on and on. Like, I don't just, it's like, I don't think he even wants a reaction out of her. He, it's just like, he's getting off by like telling her this, you know?
0: Right, right. He plays this character in almost this like slightly Hannibal-esque fashion. Like he's a fancy gentleman. He's like gentle. He's a feat. He's twisted. It's crazy because I always think of David Morse as basically uh, Jodie Foster's dad in contact.
1: Okay. And he's like
0: scary here.
1: Long hair, red ponytail. I mean, that's just – is there anyone who isn't creepy with a long red ponytail? No, at really, you know, no. on, on the male side of things. Um, by the way, it's also, it's November 19th here. And I believe in the previous sequence, they're going over like, kind of like expositioning some of the facts about the virus. And that was like mm-hmm. 1917, I think was like when symptoms or not, not sorry, not 1917, uh, December 17th was the first yeah. time symptoms started to appear. So they're like less than a month away from that.
0: Right. So, uh, Madeline makes her way to the car, uh, Bruce Willis comes, takes her hostage, gets in the car. Uh, he can't drive. She realizes it's coal. He tells her he can't drive. He's put underground. When he was eight years old. I already told you that, he says.
1: That's when she kind of gets uh, that it's him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is the scene I was talking about where like he's like listening to the radio with her. And like, have you ever been to the ocean? He's like, I've never been to the ocean. Which is probably, I guess, a Florida Keys thing. Um,
1: yeah, it's another ad for the Florida Keys there.
0: Then we hear about, uh, what's the kid's name? in fresno oh i can't remember it might be like kenny maybe i've got it written down somewhere but yeah we heard about the kid in fresno for the first time um so they stop at a hotel i like how he, he just says
1: up. he's just like never cry wolf and she's like huh yeah. he's like change the channel i don't i don't want to listen to this
0: well the way he peppers it in is so interesting too like he's talking about hearing about it on the news as a kid it was like the first time as a kid he felt really scared and she's just like what like, yeah
1: i'm very scared uh, for that kid yeah
0: uh, they're at the hotel, of course. He's having the dream, but there's a Woody Woodpecker cartoon on the TV talking about time tunnels. Convenient. Yeah. Um, and as you see more and more of the dream, it's like clearly Madeline's face, though her hand, I think, is still in front of her face as she's running. Well, you we
1: definitely um, see her face and we, in the dream this time.
0: Yeah. Um, when he wakes, we can see that he's got her tied to the bed in this kind of like crazy way. Ricky Newman is his name.
1: Ricky Newman, goddamn okay. Ricky
0: Newman. Yeah, um, that's what he's talking about the whole thing. Yeah, you because know, she's just like, "What do you mean? You heard about it as a kid?" And he's like, "Never mind. It's a prank. It's a hoax. Kids hiding in a barn."
1: Well, they have the conversation in the hotel or motel, really, um where he's like, "Oh, you're in my dream," like, and she's like, "Well, clearly, you know, you just worked me into your dream." You know, because he just met me, like she's kind of explaining it as a psychiatrist would. And he's just like, no, no, it was always you. I just didn't know until now. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, Which it's just funny it's, because it's something you can question, though, and be like, was it really? Or, you know, it's because, you know, Brad Pitt is suddenly in your dream, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, the, driving after that, that's when you get the terrifying, like, you won't think I'm crazy when people start dying next month.
1: Is this when they start playing a pipeline on the soundtrack? Uh, I think so. It might be here or maybe later. This was back... Remember surf music when it had its comeback in the mid-90s? Miserloo. Miserloo. I mean, I don't know. Surf music is fine at all, but... It might might have overdone it a little in the mid-90s.
0: I'm sure you heard a lot of it growing up.
1: Oh, absolutely, Your dad's
0: still on his endless summer. Uh So they stop in the city. This is the scene I was talking about where, like, he sees something, jumps out of the car... In Philadelphia,
1: which looks like the apocalypse already happened here. Yeah. Like inner city Philadelphia here.
0: I've only been to Philadelphia once and I took a uh, bus tour of all the public art installations. Mm. But in my mind, I was thinking 12 monkeys.
1: (laughs) Well, when they go into like the weird, like abandoned theater where there's just like homeless people murdering each other and like, yeah. yeah, It's like, what the fuck is. How is this possible? Like, were the cities that bad in the nineties?
0: Well, uh, certain certain swaths of the population would tell you, yes. Yeah, everything was deaf wish. <laughs> uh, so this is where they run into a voice guy. He's like a gross hobo, and like you he said, he's telling this. He's telling them like the scientists can follow you anywhere because you have a tracker in your tube. But he fooled them, and he like opens his mouth to reveal like he pulled all of his front teeth from. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Later, creepy laugh. <laughs> When he's talking to Madeline, like she, she's just like, good God, your fucking breath. Um, <laughs> Seriously.
1: I mean, what do you think Cole smells like? Jesus.
0: Oh, what he, what I love is that when he gets in the car, when he first abducts her, yeah. he's like, probably smell pretty bad.
1: It's he's like, like, I'm sorry. I smell bad.
0: It's like, God damn, Cole, you smell like you use a dumpster as a diaper. Um, I
1: was actually, I forgot to mention last week about the last Mohicans. What do you think uh, Hawkeye smelled like?
0: Just rugged, masculine. Just like,
1: like smoke and meat and like sex.
0: Here, here's the thing that we're purposely not addressing. Mm. What was the wipe in your ass situation back then?
1: I think we're going to find out in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, hey, uh, I'm just going to give everyone this like heads up tip here. You get a, you get yourself a stick and a wet rag. Oof. You're welcome.
0: Oof. I was just thinking about like, was it Jin who like instructs Hurley like on the right leaf to use on, on Lost? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, man, Jin versus Kate now, huh? Who would have thought that would come up?
1: Oh, Kate. Speaking of toilet paper, what's your uh, TP situation like over there?
0: Um, I have a few rolls, and I, you know what? It's crazy times, my friend. I've got the wet booty wipes. Sure. I'm pampering my ass. If you had to like my give yourself a
1: not- uh, uh, an estimation of like days or weeks, how long would you say your supply is going to last you?
0: Uh, I guess it depends on how poor my diet gets. I should, I, I probably have enough continental to get me through at least eight weeks. Really? You're stocked up there? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I, I had You're one to blame. full ready to go before I, I knew we were in crisis mode. Mm-hmm. Then I bought one when I went to the store at one point. I bought another one when I went to the store at the next point. Everyone else was like going for the fucking, uh, toilet paper. And I was just like, Treat yourself. Get that Cottonelle. Your ass will not want to go back to reality when you're using the Cottonelle.
1: Okay. Yeah. What do you got? How are you doing? I probably got like two week supply, you know, three if I stretch it. But like it's not an immediate concern, but it's
0: like, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to need to get some more eventually. I have a friend who has four people in her house and she's like, we've got four rolls. And I'm like, you're you got three days. (laughs) I mean, what I you need to do is just, other.
1: like, wake up early at, like, 5 a.m. or whatever and, like, go to the store right when it opens, you know? And
0: it's, like, I'm not
1: looking to, like, go buy a fucking, like, ton of cases or anything. I just, like, if I could get another two-week oh.
0: supply in the next week or so, yeah. that'd be fine, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. enough for what you need right now. The normal amount, yeah. Yeah, the fucking people who were like, I need six months of toilet paper, it's – diarrhea is not the oh, biggest that, concern you I have right now. I was at the
1: store the other day, and, like, I'm standing in line, we're all – trying to do our, or, you know, six foot distance and then inevitably some asshole walks by, you know, just like right between two people. But it's like, okay, it's fine. Like it's been a while. What's going on? I kind of like lean and look out there. Oh, it's some dude who has like two carts worth of shit that he's buying. It's like,
0: thanks a lot. Asshole. I was at Safeway a week ago. And of course, did I tell you the story about the guy commenting on people? I might've. No, uh, I'm sorry if I told you already on the podcast, but like, uh, one guy rings up his shit and he leaves. And of course the next guy comes up and he has to make comments on the previous guy to the clerk. And he's like, I don't understand why that guy's getting all these microwave meals. What's he going to fucking do when the power goes out? And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe you don't know how viruses work.
1: But <laughs> at I, that
0: point we're, we're really fucked.
1: Yeah, seriously. You got bigger concerns. What I did notice the other day when I was at the store doing my social distancing, as I always do in life, um, mm-hmm. there's like this one guy who's like just trying to talk the ear off of the employee, like at the deli counter. And it's like, you Mm -hmm. can tell that like this guy's like losing his mind. Like he needs to go talk to people. You know, he's like one of those fucking extroverts. I just want to be like, Hey man, shut up. Yeah.
0: Like, like an extrovert or like one of those like lonely people.
1: I mean both, but you could tell that like, you could tell this guy he had no one to talk to. And so he's just going to talk the ear off this poor sap at the
0: deli. Like the lonely, the lonely people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I. I don't know. I mean, I'm fascinated by the people who, who like you're hearing all the stories about the folks who have to cohabitate with their partner and they're not used to spending that much time with them. Yeah, I don't know. It just like Rough. roommate situations would fascinate me. Like,
1: how are your cats taking it? Are they like, what the fuck's this guy doing here all the time?
0: A, a little bit, like. Harry's oddly possessive at times and then he's just like fuck it I don't give a shit it's my nap time Sally is like more about dominating certain space um mm. yeah. yeah I got I got in trouble because one person wanted to spend time here and I said no it's Ooh. self-isolation time some
1: person mm. okay yeah interesting <laughs> and
0: uh and I might have used a uh pandemic as a hmm. soft uh hey man
1: can't do it social distancing
0: (laughs) i don't i don't have a square to spare Uh
1: (laughs) well now i know if i run out of toilet paper i can just go steal some from you
0: you mean my cotton wet wipes sure yeah yeah i'll I'll throw them out the window
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh i wasn't gonna ask (laughs) you gotta you gotta practice some offsec there
0: i tell you man like when this is over if it's ever over Like, you're going to have some fucking kids being born in eight, nine months or nine, nine, ten months, or you're going to have some people who get out of their home and they're just like, I need to get it wet wherever I can.
1: I'm I'm just looking forward to the, uh, you know, like the Victor Hugo-esque epic that's going to be written about some guy who's like, you know, arrested for stealing a roll of toilet paper or something, you know?
0: I was just thinking like, man, imagine the fucking poor editors and agents who are getting manuscripts in like six weeks. They're just about the YA novel about <laughs> a virus or whatever. But I'm going to ask the question that most podcasts are probably too cowardly to ask. Uh-huh. Hey, you at home. How many times have you masturbated today? <laughs> <laughs> and what are your masturbation goals of all this free time? <laughs> More, less, weirder? Anyway. Antisocial um,
1: sexual activity.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, in a modern context, I'm like, how can you just drop that nugget and step away from it? Uh, Speaking so of sexual
1: activity, it's somewhat antisocial. The homeless,
0: the homeless encampment and the old I,
1: theater. I don't love this bit.
0: No, no, I agree.
1: I, I get the, uh, oh, they're going to get like mugged or whatever, and he has to fight them off and kills them. But the, like the introducing the threat of sexual violence, not a fan
0: which is interesting because every other point in the movie, whenever somebody questions her or just like lightly pushes her, he's always like, Hey, she's a doctor. Get your hands off of her. Uh-huh. I love that. He always like is there for her bona fides. Um, but yeah, so the two guys attack, uh, one attacks, James, the others want to rape Madeline.
1: Well, he Bruce he just like, was, like, like stomps
0: <laughs> the fuck. Yeah. He, like fucking curb stomps this motherfucker. Gets the gun from the other guy. And this is when Madeline's just like, you didn't have a gun before. And it's he's like, like a New Year
1: you line. And he's like, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but in this movie, man, in the grand unified theory of Bruce Willis's career, this movie is there at the core. Because he says, when she says you killed this guy, he says all I see are dead people. Uh-huh. You know, like the one movie. This is the first of three movies in his career where Bruce Willis utilizes time travel to meet a younger version of himself.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh including the looper and disney's the kid
0: yep yep um so i love when they leave the theater they pass the like end is nigh guy on the street and he's he recognizes james he's just like hey you you're one of us
1: where do they find all these like very tall like gigantic actors this guy's like easily a foot taller than bruce willis i,
0: I just wonder if uh like gilliam's got these guys on that fucking roll with that all of his movies are populated with background people like this uh-huh, Yeah. Um, yeah they
1: look this guy looks like he's 6'6 he's got like super broad shoulders he's just like a bigger human being you know he's got like a crazy beard he's holding like a cross and shit yeah
0: so what does FAA stand for in this
1: Federal Aviation Administration what do you mean
0: no the office they go to where where the uh the cohorts of Jeffrey are
1: oh with like the weird pig uh yeah
0: it's marked as FAA all throughout
1: um you know don't, I don't know. think it
0: was mentioned.
1: Yeah, I I can see the signs. I can't it's too, you know, indistinct to like read what it stands for. Probably yeah. something about animal abuse, I'm gonna guess. Right. That seems to be their thing. They're against animal testing.
0: Yeah, so these guys are like the uh like the protest, you know, literature crowd where Jeffrey Goins apparently like outgrew them and wanted to get more. Um, part of the pun nope. like do more guerrilla tactics
1: the one guy has the like this is like such a 90s look where it's what kind of hat is this that like dudes only wore in the 90s where it's like it's kind of like a baseball hat but there's no bill
0: is this the redheaded guy or the bald guy
1: no 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 the when they go inside and meet like these like college kids or whatever right right he's I don't think he's a redhead
0: he, well one of the guys so there's, yeah, he's kind of like Hamilton. the like Shia
1: Beowulf looking motherfucker
0: okay you got Lisa Gay Hamilton in this group one of the other guys is Matt Ross, who's bowtie guy in American Psycho, but he's also Gavin Belson in Silicon Valley.
1: So not that guy. No, the other guy okay. has like the okay. weird hat on.
0: This like it 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 should have the fucking like propeller thing on top.
1: It's right? like not quite a beanie. It almost yeah. it kinda it's like somewhere between a beanie and a baseball hat. Yeah. But like people like, only wore this in the nineties and then they stopped wearing it.
0: It's like People were like, "Hey, I'm going out to bars and meeting people my age. What if I wore a fucking bellhop hat?" Yeah. yeah. Um. So we get the backstory a little bit on like 1996 Jeffrey Goins that eventually he got out of the mental hospital. Um, he was into their movement, but it was wasn't radical enough for him. So he like he started picketing his father, who's a famous Nobel Prize winning virologist, played like, which got the him a lot plumber. of press. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, Christopher Plummer, who's got a straight up Benoit Blanc accent <laughs> later in this movie. Yes, <laughs> I have eliminated no foul viruses. Um, yeah. So, want to do more activity? So he and eleven other guys broke off to start the army, of the Twelve Monkeys, and then, uh, like they more... had like
1: some crazy plans about like shit they're gonna do, like a human hunt, you know, of, like yeah. hunting like brokers on Wall Street with butterfly nets. And they didn't do any of it. And then it sounds like Jeffrey pretty much sold them all out. Yeah, to like come back home and like live with his dad. It's like, oh, he's gonna personally supervise his father's labs to make sure the animals are being treated fairly. And it's like clearly, like he just you know went and like you know came back home to the money.
0: Yeah. Oh, the army of twelve monkeys. That was uh, me and eleven other assholes. (laughs) Um. Yeah. So then, I think I like how
1: the Doctor Rayleigh here is pretty much fully helping james at this point you know yeah yeah she's like they walking the, the door while he holds the the students up with a gun yeah.
0: they steal the car which is like covered in like all these like environmentalists and anti-animal abuse stickers
1: i think at one point she says like do what he said like i'm a psychiatrist do what he says or something like that <laughs> <laughs> it's like holding them a gun point
0: you know what not a bad uh hype person
1: yeah. as, a, as a psychiatrist i advise you to do what this man with the gun wants you to do
0: but as your lawyer, I advise you get a very fast car at the no top. Um, so as they're driving away later, he mentioned he had mentioned before that something was wrong with his leg and now he tells her that he was actually shot. And she's like, what the fuck?
1: Yes, yeah, so you got to pull over and get supplies. Got to do a little bit of nursing of him. Always a classic trope in the uh, the romance there.
0: Yeah, the takes arc. a full fucking bullet out of his leg.
1: I guess it was like near the surface or something. Yeah, because that's like a big old giant bullet. From like a rifle.
0: I rewatched the scene where like Bond takes three pathetic little slivers of a bullet out of his like collarbone and Skyfall the other night, and I was like, I couldn't do that. She takes a full fucking bullet that he's been walking on.
1: I think this might be the first in the, in the history of cinema where they take a bullet out and don't have like a metal tray to drop it into.
0: No. Oh, because yeah. like
1: every literally every movie you've ever seen, they have this like metal tray that you Like you've never seen one of those trays in real life, but it's always there to take a bullet out of.
0: Well, and sometimes those trays have like a little bit of the alcohol in them. And Uh it's like, well, at that point, what do we care about sterilizing it?
1: (laughs) I think this is, this is where we get a pipeline here. Is there in the, like the, like the college kids car that they stole and they're Mm. driving across this bridge, It's like a very cool shot. Um, Like kind of like zoomed in on the license plate and then pulling back as the car is driving across this bridge here. Right. They've got so they the, the Rolodex, and so they're going to go find Goins.
0: So they're presumably in the woods when they take the bullet out somewhere.
1: Somewhere close by, yeah.
0: Yeah, close to the Goines house. They have this, like, fake out where he kind of goes crazy, it seems like, and, like, grabs at her like he's going to hurt her. Uh, and, and,
1: and, yeah, and then, it, like, cuts away, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry I have to do this or whatever. And so you're like, oh, what did he do to her? And then later on, it's like on the news, it's like a body has been found. We think it might be Dr. Rayleigh.
0: Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to outside the Goins' house. Bruce Wells is hiding under a car listening to these like bodyguards talk about the Fresno situation with the was it Ricky Newman? How they're and gonna how they're going lower, to lower monkey. Yeah. a monkey with an infrared camera on its head down into the well with a roast beef sandwich for the kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he sneaks out from under the car and the gun is left behind and it like fell out of his coat there.
0: Yeah, so Inside, it's like this big opulent dinner party of like these crazy looking characters, and Christopher Plummer again has this bizar- bonkers Southern accent. And I didn't catch all of it, but he's saying things like, "Like Prometheus stealing fire from the gods," <laughs> and then later he says, "We're heading into Doctor Strangelove territory."
1: <laughs> and then they um, like the security comes to like wake up uh, Jeffrey Goins here. Brad Pitt he's fallen asleep. And he's making this big show, being like, "This is ridiculous." You know, as he has to get up, he like has to pick up his shoes because he wasn't wearing his shoes. That was a nice what little detail. What
0: do you think detail.
1: of this look here? It's like fancy boy Brad Pitt with like the long uh, hair and ponytail, big
0: big Harry Potter glasses.
1: Yeah, it's it's a look. Maybe not his best look. Uh,
0: what if this is what we look like in eight weeks?
1: Uh, we could only hope. um <laughs> Christopher Plummer here like has some sort of like retractable like I, spectacles that he whips out. Yes. yes. He's like, What is my son doing over away? there? Yeah.
0: Well, the security guard has this great line. I can't remember the gist of it, but it's like uh um got a guy outside that says a friend of yours. Normally we would just like arrest him, but we know you have some colorful friends. He's so. like, We don't want
1: to shoot one of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> and Brad Pitt sees them and he's like, Oh, I've never met this man in my life. And then when Bruce Willis starts talking, he mentions, I think he mentioned the army of the 12 monkeys. Right. And that's when he yeah. stops. Yeah.
0: Well, he, he does recognize him because he's just uh-huh. like, you're the guy who just disappeared like that. 1990. Um, he's doing the weird thing with the, his eye. They take him up upstairs. The, the fucking staircase in this house is insane um uh, it's it's insane it should be in the mental hospital it's so fascinating um he says the whole like you're a nutcase completely deranged delusional paranoid thought process is all fucked up your information train is jammed man
1: Well, and the the uh, subtext here is that when they were in the mental institution bruce willis said something like oh maybe humanity deserves it and yeah and like they're all going to be wiped out and he thinks that he has given jeffrey goins the idea the, to wipe out humanity with a virus. And he thinks that well, that's, that's, what that's what's is, happening now.
0: That's what Goins is inferring now, is that I got the idea from you,
1: uh-huh.
0: or is suggesting to him now. Yeah. Whereas at the time, it was just like the morbid, you know, fatalistic humor mm-hmm. of, of James Cole.
1: So, br- so Bruce this- Wells is going to be concerned that he causes the virus by planting yeah. this idea in Jeffrey Goins' mind, you know? Because he was like, "Well, oh, I was really like fucked up and drugged. I don't know exactly what I said, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you get these great shots, So like from the balcony, like looking down over these people at one point he's like holding Jeff over, like <laughs> he's going to like throw him over yeah. later, like Jeffrey goings is like, like railing against them. Um, I kind of wonder if he had stopped doing the middle finger thing for years and just started doing it again. And then it
1: came back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause he's like flipping people off. Like, it, like it's discreet.
1: Like it's probably been at least like a few months to maybe years where Jeffrey Goines has been behaving seemingly normally, you know, Right. where it's right. like, Oh, he seems to have his shit together in public and he's just like, you know, spoiled rich boy, but like, Nope, it's all coming out again. Now he's having another blowout.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after the party, we see two of the like party goers. I don't think these are bodyguards are sitting around a TV, like intertuxist, watching the footage of the monkey being lowered with his little (laughs) headgear at the camera and a a sandwich in a baggie. And two guys are watching this news report. And one guy's like, if you ask me, the monkey's going to eat that goddamn sandwich himself.
1: (laughs) Well, then there's like a kind of a weird moment here where like, it's like the, they're watching the news in like the kitchen, you know, like the, you know, the cooks and, you know, dishwashers and whatnot are like, you know, back doing their work and watching the news about the the body of Catherine Rayleigh may have been found and then like Mm -hmm. they just like burst in with guns the security guard guys like is that really necessary yeah Yeah. where did he go he couldn't have gotten out of here and they're just like waving their guns around everywhere and it's just like cut to the woods it's like well I guess he got away
0: am I crazy at one point does the guy like lift the lid on a stew pot to like look in there I believe he does yeah am I imagining that yeah I mean but this is like classic like do you remember the fucking 80s and 90s films where like the news was a constant source of exposition or Greek chorusing. Like how many movies featured the guy standing in front of like the wall of uh-huh. TVs in the window of the TV store?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> or the Radio Shack. Um, so we, we, he runs out in the woods. He's gone away. We find that he's basically left her in the trunk of the car. And she kicks him in the face. Yeah. And she's like, you bastard. I could have died in there.
1: So she's alive, obviously. They wanted to fake us out and make us think that uh, he'd killed her and they'd found the body in the woods. That's not the case.
0: No, no. No. So he's freaked out because Brad Pitt implied that it was his idea back in the mental hospital to wipe out the human race. And again, she's like, this isn't real. You've just created this substitute reality to avoid dealing with things. And he's like, I wish that were true, that if I was crazy, the world would be OK. I wouldn't have to go underground again. So he starts like going like splashy, splashy, like in the local pond as the cops are approaching. And he's just like, I could live right here. I've got food. I've got water.
1: Well, she goes over to honk the horn in the car to, to let them know like where they are. She's like, oh, we can we can get through this. It's OK. You know, everything's going to be fine. And he's like splashing the water behind her. And then there's one last like splash and she turns back and he's just gone. Yeah. Poof.
0: Um, so then Mountain Stowe being questioned by a cop played by a uh, little baby Christopher <laughs> Maloney. And I you're not an SVU guy like you've never nope. watched SVU. Sure. No. So let me pose this question to people listening. Has Christopher Maloney's hair ever looked real?
1: doesn't look real here.
0: No, it doesn't, right? It looks His like he already has a
1: herpes here, yeah.
0: His character is named Jim Halperin, which sounds way too much like Jim Halpert when he says it later. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so he's just like, tell me, Doc, why do kidnap victims always want to tell us how kind their kidnappers were? This is after she, he's
1: like, asked her like, oh, this man was found dead. Is that the one who like James Cole killed? And she's like, well, I want to be clear. That those men attacked us, you know, and he saved my life. Yeah. yeah.
0: And she's like, it's a normal reaction to a life-threatening situation. Uh, who is the couple back at her place? I guess I know like her woman- friends. Okay, because I know we saw the woman earlier, and the woman mentioned having a husband.
1: These are like, she was supposed to go hang out with them the night she was kidnapped. Okay. And like, she never came home. Yeah.
0: So... You mentioned in 1990, when she's at the art history lecture there, she's dressed quite frankly a little hot. Uh-huh. Um, she's dressed like Lilith Crane at, when she's giving the lecture in '96.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> the hair doing
0: everything. Yeah. Um, so the cops are outside Madeline's place, keeping an eye out. The classic trope of like the cops are terrible at like being undercover, uh-huh. or watching. Yeah. Um, well, oh, this female newscaster returns. This female newscaster freaked me out because she gave me young, like Judge Janine Pirro vibes.
1: You know, I can confidently and gladly say I don't know what Judge Jeanine Pirro looks like, so that's a good thing. Go me,
0: she looks and sounds like her, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but this is where we get it's like more news about uh Ricky Newman and that whole saga. And she's like, Oh, what happened? Did they find him? And they're and they're like, No, the whole thing was a hoax, he was hiding in the barn, like you know. And you see, like, the kid being, like, let out. You know, it's like a big scandal or whatever. And she's like, oh, fuck. Like, he knew that somehow.
0: And then she's like, but seriously, did the monkey eat the sandwich? <laughs> um, so we check out of Cole in the future. It's this fucking surreal moment where he's, like, staring at this beautiful landscape of the sunset, which is actually a painting called Yosemite. Valley of the Yosemite by Albert Bierstadt. Music's playing. And then the scientists all rise up in front of him singing Blueberry Hill.
1: Like in harmony. Yeah, it's it's incredibly yeah. bizarre and weird. And then we eventually see that it, it, the way it's shot, it, it looks like it looks fake. You know, like yeah, it looks like yeah. composite. But then we see from a different angle. We see actually they're all crowding over his hospital bed. And the painting is hanging above the hospital bed.
0: It's just hanging above the hospital because bed. Because
1: he talks into sleep or whatever. Like they know that he likes... You know sunsets or something like that
0: yeah that's fucking weird um yeah so like the they're telling him, like don't worry this isn't a prison well, it's a prison it's a hospital yeah,
1: they give him a pardon it's
0: a, it's a very stressful thing time travel you'll be out of here in no time women will want to get to know you
1: <laughs> but he's still flipping out he says that they're not real and like immediately the, there's like two massive like bouncer looking dudes Uh, you know, like the bodyguards come in and like restrain him again and Jones gives him another uh, injection of something or other.
0: The one line is, uh, I am insane and you are my insanity. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of, he's
1: repeating what he has heard uh, from, was it L.J. Washington?
0: A little bit, yeah. The the mentally divergent, Uh you know, in the parlance of our times.
1: That and and what um, uh, Dr. Rayleigh's told him about like how he's kind of incorporated like, oh, you found out Jeffrey Goyne's father is a virologist, and so now that's part of your, you know, your Right, she's, she's
0: saying, you you guys had conversations when you were in the hospital in 1990, and that's where you built this whole, you know, hellscape from. So, meanwhile, in the present day, Madeline's gone to see the Riddler. She's trying to make some sense of this, since James knew about the little boy in Fresno, and we kind of get the message that Terry Gilliam's pushing here, which is, uh, or that David Peoples is pushing here, which is, uh, and what we say is the truth, and, is, and that's what everyone accepts. Right, Owen? I mean, psychiatry. It's the latest religion. We decide what's right and wrong. We decide who's crazy or not. Well, I'm in trouble here because I'm losing my faith.
1: <laughs> yeah, it should be mentioned, this is a script written by, I think it's David and Julia Peoples. Um, yep. It's not Terry Gilliam does not have a writing credit on this, so he only directed, yep. So, which I think he well, rarely does.
0: I'm sure that he's involved with the writing of every one of his scripts, but... But David Peoples, or David Webb Peoples, uh, Unforgiven, Blade Runner, Lady Ladyhawk, mm. you know, not exactly a lightweight.
1: Yeah, so basically we're kind of intercutting. Now, it's interesting how, like, uh, Catherine takes over a little bit more of the story here. Like, she kind of becomes mm-hmm. a little more active as a protagonist now instead of Cole. Because she's, mm-hmm. she's now got it in her head that, like, this could actually be real. There could be a virus coming. Like, you know, mm-hmm. how did he know about the future? That kind of stuff. Yeah. How did he know about Ricky Newman? And so she's like doing research. And presumably where she wrote her book here in her office. She's got all these like photos up and she goes and finds one of Jose that in the background you can see uh, Bruce Willis like reaching for Jose. And she's, she's like, just oh, like, shit. oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they, they told her that the bullet that she pulled out of uh, coal was like an antique. It was like fired right. like, you know, 80 years ago or something.
0: Right. Also, the revolver that he's going to be handed later is like super anachronistic um yeah uh-huh. so back in the future uh louie returns and it's hard to believe that louie's real in the future but he's like teasing him about like but that's not what you really want is it bob
1: you want to be with her yeah i mean he's basically uh, like hey man you got to be smart about it you can't just like yell and scream at these guys you got to tell them what they want to hear you know
0: and so then he's so,
1: in the weird interrogation elevated chair again and being like, I want to go back. I want to do what I can. You know, I'm the best man for the job. I'm familiar with the time period and, you know, the players involved, that kind of stuff.
0: I like how they're like, you're not becoming addicted, are you, Cole?
1: <laughs> Don't become <laughs> addicted to time travel.
0: Um, so Man Stowe's is calling Dr. Christopher Plummer here to find out if there's any dangerous people in his lab or what Jeffrey's up to. And he like gives her the brush off, and when he hangs up, he then whispers, "Women psychiatrists."
1: <laughs> and in the background is a creepy fucking ponytailed redhead guy.
0: Uh, yeah, who immediately volunteers how he went to a lecture of hers that he attended, uh, apocalyptic visions, and has she succumbed to her own theoretical Cassandra disease? And he's and I, like, "Oh,
1: I, she thought." Oh, sorry. Go
0: ahead. I was just a bit like Christopher Plummer is just like. You give me the creeps, you freak.
1: <laughs> but he's like, you know, she She seemed to think that Jeffrey was going to try to break into here. Maybe we ought to, you know, tighten up security procedures around here. You know, just be
0: safe. Well, so the argument I guess I have is there is, does this inspire Morse to do it now? It's a good question.
1: Maybe. I mean, it could. I, I mean, I he's, mean, he's, I think it, there's like an true thing where like in the background at one point you can see him handling the vials already, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. But it seems like he's definitely becoming more and more of a maniac. You know, it's like probably like right. a week or two ago was that book signing where he like intentionally sought out uh, Dr. Rayleigh.
0: Yeah, because we're we're they kind of fudge the time a little bit because it's like early November, mid November at one point. Now we're like approaching it's, with her. It's probably like December,
1: like 10th ish, you know, somewhere yeah. around there right now. Yeah
0: i mean i honestly think other than some ambiguities that the movie plays with throughout like by the end i feel like everything pretty much locks into place
1: yeah definitely
0: so we get the briefing from the scientists in the future he sees that picture with the the graffiti uh, is there a virus
1: is this the source five billion die question mark yeah
0: um, and then we see that she's actually, this is why I love time travel, man. And the way you can play at the narrative and like move the cursor through the document. But we then cut to her. She's outside that FAA office. She's confronted by the voice who has no idea who James Cole is,
1: uh-huh.
0: but Brad Pitt's inside, uh, working on something while his underlings are freaking out about whatever she's doing outside. He's
1: got like a weird black beanie on and he's kind of like in like, I don't know, some doing shit clothing, you know, like just yeah. black clothing.
0: Um, like she gets some spray paint for some taggers, starts like writing those words from the future. And I mean, he's, this is the point to like within this scene, I was like loving his tics, hating them and then loving them again. (laughs) And some of it's dialogue in that kind of Coen brothers way where they repeat things in a funny way where it's just like my psychiatrist, ex psychiatrist, or who cares what ex psychiatrist write on walls. Yeah.
1: Well, they're like, who the fuck is this lady? He's like, Oh, it's my psychiatrist. They're like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, but I feel like you can do very interesting things with time travel in your narrative. Is like giving people scraps, little bits of foreshadowing. It doesn't have to f- go full tilt into, you know, prequel territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is a movie, like, I honestly, like, whenever I, I think about how great time travel is to a narrative, this is a movie I would just hand over as, like, a perfect example.
1: Well, I think it's, the time travel is not the focus here. It's just a, a tool to explore ideas, you know, and right, relationships. right, but, like,
0: as far as the plot and like a little bit of the Cole character, especially as it all locks into place for him at the end, um, that'd be my example. But yeah, so she he shows up like just like 20 feet away. He's
1: just like there. Yeah, he's back.
0: Yeah. And she's like, be careful. There's cops over here. And he's like kind of like, like uh, uh, subdued. He's like, oh, good. I want to turn myself in. I'm not crazy anymore. I mean, I am. Maybe you can help me with that. I'm mentally divergent.
1: He looks like he's 60 here for some reason. Like he looks yeah. old.
0: Time travel. Puts Maybe it's just the
1: clothes over. he's in. He has like high-waisted pants on or something. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Yeah. He looks like any other hipster, honestly. Ooh. Um, yeah. So Jeffrey's psychiatrist, his ex-psychiatrist, couldn't have possibly known about the Army of the Twelve Monkeys because back then he hadn't even thought of it. But his theory is that they mapped his brain Put it into a computer to figure out every This thought is Brad Pitt's had. character, yeah. Yeah, the next 10 years. Sorry, yeah. The the Brad Pitt character. He's just spinning.
1: He's just he's just
0: rolling up his sleeve. He's like, they, they masked my hat.
1: brain and fed it into a computer probability matrix. And so they know every thought I'm gonna have. So that's how they know
0: about the army of the troll monkeys. Yeah.
1: And they they're just like, yeah, this guy's definitely crazy.
0: <laughs> and the one guy is just like, You're a great man, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> So they go to uh, what is basically like a rundown love hotel.
1: Oh, they got to get away from the cops. Yeah, the cops notice them. And these cops are horrible. Like they yeah. they try to get after him in like a couple cars, like block traffic. And these guys just like kind of like lightly jog through some, you know, streets to get away from the cops here.
0: Is it weird that we don't see Maloney again?
1: Nah, I don't think you need him.
0: I, That's just the kind of movie it is them. where
1: people just kind of like they come in, they go. They don't really matter that much. Very few so, characters like, in this
0: economy of characters. It's weird that the one detective that should be on this case, we don't really see. Um, so they go to this love hotel and the guy, the clerk, if you call it that, he's like, it's 35 bucks an hour. And she's like an hour. And he's like, you want a quarter hour? Go somewhere else. <laughs> so the guy gives them a room because they have got some cash on them. And he's like, he gives her a key and he's like, here you go, honey baby. And that's when Bruce is like, Hey, she's not honey baby. She's a doctor. Yeah. My psychiatrist.
1: Well, you should mention that whatever part of Philly that they're in just looks like a bombed out nightmare. Like yeah. I, I think at one point they were hiding behind some cardboard boxes on some building that has like these big giant Roman pillars, but it's all like kind of like graffitied and tagged up. And there's just like,
0: yeah,
1: like random like shanties and shit. You know, <laughs> so like strange.
0: Derelict buildings. Yeah. Like, like derelict human beings. Yeah.
1: But yes, yeah, so they, so they go into in the, the hotel.
0: Mm-hmm. Not a, not a bad sized room.
1: Yeah. It's like a, it's like an old style hotel, you know, like, um, like probably built in like the twenties or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is the thing where he's like telling her that he realizes he's crazy that some of the weirdos in his stories are figments of his imagination. He wants to get better, and she's like, but "No, she's, you're not." You know? Yeah, Because I mean, that means that five billion people are going to die, and that's when he's just like, "I want the future to be unknown. I want to become a whole person again." So she's remembering the phone number. From six years ago, it might be the right phone number now. Then the pimp comes in and he's just like, This is my territory, bitch. (laughs) Well,
1: this is after she shows him the photo of himself that she had from 1917. And he's just like, Oh fuck. But yeah, this crazy pimp is like, does he have like a cowboy hat on or something? Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, and then James Cole was like, Is this real or one of my delusions? And she's (laughs) like, This is most definitely real.
1: Yeah, the the clerk at the counter called this guy because like he thinks that like she's like I don't know, like out of her territory, like turning right. tricks or something. Yeah.
0: Like uh yeah, like an independent contractor mm-hmm. horning in on his territory. Yeah. So he attacks her and she's just like, There's been a misunderstanding. And he's like, well, We got a fucking problem then, misunderstanding.
1: Well, he just like punches her in the face. And then she has like yeah. a bloody nose for the next 10 minutes in the movie. It's pretty violent, yeah.
0: So James beats the shit out of the guy with a phone, drags him into a bathroom. Um, And she's like, don't kill him.
1: Don't kill him. Yeah.
0: So you think he's going to kill him because he's like a violent maniac. Instead, this guy is basically thrown into a bathtub and has to watch as James Cole cuts two of his own teeth out of his mouth.
1: Although you don't know it yet because you just see him go in there with a switchblade and then like they're screaming and then like she's like outside the door like, you know, horrified and then the door opens and he's like standing there like covered in blood with a knife in his hands and she's like, oh my God. But then he's like, no, like I cut my teeth out just in case.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, this is how they find us. Yeah. Which is wild because
1: that had to hurt like a motherfucker.
0: Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, oh, it's just the fucking the the thing with the ice skate blade in uh castaway. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Cutting, cutting
1: your teeth out with a switch blade? Your front Ooh. teeth. Yeah.
0: Ooh. It's just but, dripping um, blood. For a while. Yeah. Oh god, he's gonna be spitting up blood for a while. it's gonna be gross. Isn't that, isn't that President Snow's whole thing? Isn't that why he has all the roses? Because like he's like mouth is constantly bleeding.
1: Yeah, something like that. Sure.
0: Um, Can't wait to find
1: out the story behind that. And I was I mean, what is it snakes and songbirds?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sexy Snow prequel. Yeah. Um, I really wonder. Like, are they going to give him like make him young and handsome? And he's got like a tragic love and. Yeah. Yeah. But uh. uh fuck was i gonna say i don't know something about this guy like, like the fake out again of, of you know is bruce willis like this like violent maniac
1: yeah it's crazy fucking uh, dentist
0: yeah <laughs> i'm the innocent victim here these, attacked by a coped up whore there's a like crazy fucking dentist there's
1: like a dozen cops outside this room like all their guns ready to go in these two apparently just like went right out the window like these cops are yeah. not very good at their job at all
0: philly cops man just uh yeah. that overtime yeah so again, then they're roaming the streets later, both bleeding copiously, and she's like, try and fit in.
1: Yeah. She's like, I'm gonna go make a phone call. They're like in the downtown, the kind of like ritzier part where he was at the beginning of the movie in the future. Yeah. Like there's like the big department store. Um he this is where that he there's like the shot of the bear behind him, just like at the start of the movie, but then he turns around and it's just like a like a stuffed bear in like a storefront like a display. display. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, So this is what we talked about. Where she's recounting, oh, it's just a carpet cleaning service. She left this nutty message, yeah. and he's able to finish it.
1: You recite your message,
0: Catherine. Yeah, they replayed it for me. It was a bad recording. I didn't recognize your voice. So the future's real, which is interesting because we're still after this questioning his sanity and if it's true. But it's like to me, definitively, the future's real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they my go, case. They go shopping. We see them by the Hawaiian shirts uh the shirt that he will eventually be wearing i would kill for (laughs) it's got like tigers on it it's very cool
1: i like how you see them like raising the like statue the angel behind her while she's paying with this like fat wad of pimp cash pimp cash (laughs) like to the you can tell like the late department store lady's a little nonplussed by this but she's like okay
0: yeah um He's turned away from the salesman because his mouth's still bleeding. He like looks up and like, remembers the birds flocking through the store earlier. You know, in the future, flying up towards the roof.
1: Yeah, and then we're gonna start intercutting to like what the army of the twelve monkeys is up to here. It's Brad Pitt and a bunch of other dudes in like you know all black clothing. It's not the people from the FAA. Those are like I don't know, like the the lightweights or whatever. You know, they're not into yeah. like this gorilla shit. Uh, So this is like they're in like in a van rolling up somewhere in the middle of the night. They're going to go do some shit.
0: Yeah. They're like in a bus with like blacked out windows. They've uh, they've kidnapped Christopher Plummer.
1: And uh, Uh, they've put a taped biohazard sticker over his eyes.
0: Yeah. And he's Uh, like, he's
1: just just like, oh, you're too late. Like I took steps so you can't get access. Like even I, you know, can't get access to the virus or something like that.
0: Yeah. Jeffrey, you're completely insane. No, I'm not. No, I'm not.
1: I think that's the last <laughs> we see of Jeffrey.
0: I think so, like in person. Um yeah. which is fascinating because I think it's like this weird close up as he says that. Yeah. Honestly, what's on display here? Brad Pitt could have done the Heath Ledger Joker, right?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like it might have been a little bit too mannered. Although I don't know, this is Maybe. this is ninety five in two thousand eight maybe but I don't I think Keith Ledger was there's less as, baggage coming to yeah it. less baggage you know okay. um, less less known as an actor Brad Pitt it would just be like that's Brad Pitt you know
0: right so then we get the vertigo scene they've gone to like a 24 hour like Hitchcock marathon theater we get the tree reen scene where Madeline Madeline Elster is talking about the different timelines in which she and Carlotta Valdez have lived Um, Vertigo is also of course one of the favorite movies of Chris Marker who wrote and directed La Jetie Um, the short French film this is based on Um, Bruce is like mystified by the movie Here I was Uh,
1: born and there I died they're like talking the whole time and she's like applying like like, uh, glue to his face to put on a fake mustache and the dude behind them just keeps shushing them he's like hey man trying to watch fucking Vertigo here
0: uh tag yourself i'm that guy
1: yeah seriously come on man it's but she turned they're showing vertica, doing vertica in the theater and you're just interrupting you can,
0: constantly you can talk through the birds sure that's fine especially since you want to talk about how the fact that the mother-in-law is the reason for the bird attacks in that movie um so this romantic moment um in the lobby, you know, he's just like it was always you in my dream. It was always you because uh, the hair. Yeah. Oh, also, her alias we'll learn later is Judy, much like Vertigo.
1: So, so this is—is this a wig or did she dye her hair?
0: I think this is a wig because they—they okay. they bought wigs.
1: He definitely has a wig. Yeah, I like how sure. he wakes up in his disguise. Um, yeah. like he—he he suddenly like comes to you when the when the birds is playing and he's got uh like a crazy like long hair.
0: Which, it should be said, I'm so thrilled after seeing, I don't know how many I've seen in movies and TV shows now, like 16 iterations of like people from the Terminator future appearing naked in the present <laughs> day. I like that he's just thrust into our timeline and we just deal with it later. Um, yeah, so he just wakes up in this disguise. They had the romantic moment in the lobby. She wraps his arms around her in the lobby is where the usher sleeps. I think the, it the it implies
1: that like they go and have sex at this point, I think
0: maybe, but his hand goes right for her ass. Well,
1: yeah, that's what I'm saying. It implies because like, it, yeah. then it's like the next morning, you know? So,
0: yeah. Uh, Just a shocking amount of butt play.
1: I, I do like the, when we first cut to him waking up from his dream and it's like uh, a tight shot and then it pulls out and he has the long hair. Like it's a neat way they, you know, it's like you don't realize at first that he has the wig on. And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, he has a totally different look now.
0: But the, the interesting difference between this and Vertigo is that Scotty and Hitchcock are obsessively trying to recreate one woman after another, basically like cinematic necrophilia. Whereas here, James Cole has no control. Like he's just watching shit align and fall into place without his, you know, say so or control.
1: Well, and it's like this is he's realizing more and more what's coming, you know? Yeah, it's like I thought it was you in the dream before, but now I'm sure because you have the same hair. You're in this like uh, like vertigo trench coat. Um, She does a thing too uh, where she's like kind of like pressing his palm to her cheek, and Mm -hmm. it's like she's like I'd swear I'd like I've known you like it like this this gesture here is like somehow like it comes up again at the end of the movie, but it's like she's always been familiar with this somehow. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, it's like like I don't know. It's like she herself. I uh, can see the future in a way.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it. This concept I think is played with even further in uh time traveler's wife. Where mm. the two people who fall in love meet each other. Like when one of them is adult and the other is a child. Mm, okay. It's like, it's like this, this weird pretzel of, of yeah. knowing each other. So they take the cab ride to the airport. <laughs> they find out from this very helpful cabbie that the army of 12 monkeys whole goal was to release all the animals from the zoo.
1: Um, and so you see the, all these like very cool shots of like, there's just like a bear in a dumpster. There's an elephant on the street. There's giraffes like on an overpass, like running across that, that shot. I kind of wonder, cause it reminded me so much of the video game, the last of us. I kind of wonder if the last of us was referencing that. Cause there's, I don't know. Are you familiar with that game at all?
0: uh i think you had me play like the very intro scene
1: okay well without spoiling anything for the game there's a a virus right there's a well it's a it's a fungus um but later in the game there's a the kind of very i guess famous at least in video game terms famous moment with giraffes um Hmm. specifically so i kind of wonder if that was uh a reference or influenced by this movie in any way
0: interesting was there a second game? Did I not watch? There, like it's trailer, coming. It's
1: it's not out yet, like but it's coming.
0: Two girls like yeah. dancing at a yeah. It's oh, coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So they get to the airport, and this is when James Cole realizes his dream is actually a memory.
1: He's like a bit uh, here. Yeah.
0: yeah, about a week before everything start, everyone started dying. He was here, and he thinks that she was here too. And she's just like, "Eh, I'm getting tickets." Yeah. So she gets the tickets and again. The lady's just like, "Oh, not many people pay with cash. Whatever." This is back uh, when you could just
1: do this at an airport. Yeah. yeah you just walk really, up and uh, buy a ticket.
0: Uh passes David Morse, who's creepy as fuck, with like his like like plaid pants and his sneakers.
1: He has the weirdest his, look.
0: Yeah. Yellow jacket. The, he's got tickets for all over the world.
1: So he's got he's got his weird briefcase with like the stickers on it, you know, about like mm-hmm. saving the whales and shit like that. Um he's got the like I think these are like kind of purple, white, and black sneakers. Blue and green plaid pants, a yellow windbreaker, and a red ponytail. It's just man.
0: Oof. Yeah, it's a look. He pops.
1: Yeah. So it's
0: like, what was an outfit that would like stick in your memory for your entire adult life? Yeah,
1: seriously. So Cole at this point, he's like realizes kind of like what's going on a little bit. He goes to the uh payphones and he calls the answering machine, you know, that he's supposed to and leave a message kind of explaining. You know, what's going on? It's not the 12 monkeys. That was just a stupid prank. Um, and then like almost immediately he's when he goes in the bathroom and like
0: yells. Oh, oh. he sorry. ends it with, hey, good luck. I'm not coming back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so he goes in the bathroom to fix his mustache because it's peeling off and he thinks uh, this is when he, we hear like Louie talking to him again. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: It may yeah. just be in his head. Yeah. And so he like goes and like kicks in the stall and it's just some dude just some businessman. He's like freaked out.
0: Was a, he's yelling because he thinks it's Louis in the stall. Yeah. This is the present. It's not the past. Not the future. Kicks it in. There's like this portly gent in the stall. And he's like, you got that? And the guy's just like, whatever you say, chief.
1: Get the fuck out of here. I didn't even wipe. <laughs>
0: Seriously. Didn't wipe, didn't wash.
1: This is when Jose shows up. And he's just like, yeah. hey, man, like take this fucking gun and go finish the well, job.
0: He's like, how did you know I was here? And You he, he left a voicemail. The message I just left five minutes ago. And he's like, five minutes ago 30 years ago what's the difference <laughs> um so madeline's like running into david morse having like uh uh deja vu sees him in the picture of christopher Plummer i on like the front w- page of usa today it's the like, way oh, it's, she gets it
1: the way it's first shot it's like at a like a little like coffee bar at the airport and uh-huh. you see her and she's doing her own thing and he's just like in the background you know, at first you know it's like we yeah. see him but she doesn't see him at first and then they briefly bump into each other and she's kind of like, huh, that seems familiar, you know. And then she, like, happens to see a picture of him in a newspaper with Dr. Goyan. She's like, oh, fuck, that's the guy, you know. He's like an the, apocalypse
0: nut. The way they have placed him out is so interesting. Because I think we're thinking it's Jeffrey. I mean, he's obviously got, like, like you know, prominent placing at the book signing and what have you. We see him, you know, in the lab of Christopher Plummer. But then, like, we're still kind of leaning towards Jeffrey, and it's fascinating, like, once Jeffrey's off the table, if it's all like, no, I'm not, uh-huh. it's like we're immediately, like, we, the audience, are immediately aware, oh, shit, it's David Morris.
1: Yeah, I don't think the movie's, like, relying on this massive twist or anything, but it's just always kept Jeffrey as an option there yeah. before being like, no, it was this guy. <laughs> it's yeah. it's well, the I, weird apocalypse
0: nut. that. But I, I kind of think that it almost is a, a little bit of a twist, but, like, it's so it's it's taking its time and appreciating for you like hey mr audience member i gave you all the clues yeah. um so the movie does this fascinating thing where bruce wells is like he's talking to jose going down the escalator again all the fucking weird people that he like looks it's, at it's like seemingly the all
1: the people from the future are here yeah
0: yeah so he's just like who am i supposed to shoot who am i supposed to shoot he gets to the bottom of the escalator jose steps out of frame bruce Wills is screaming off camera to him or to him off camera. Huh. Who am I supposed to shoot? And then Madeline runs up, and she's immediately like, "It's Christopher Plummer's assistant." And it's like we never see if Jose is still there. Like Jose doesn't matter yeah. anymore. Yeah, he might it, be figment of his imagination. Well,
1: she's running up from like the back of the shot, so she's like, yeah, you know, we we see her in the same frame as him, but then Jose just kind of like steps aside, and she runs yeah. up to him, and like that's the last we see of Jose. Yeah,
0: right, right. So Bruce and Madeline get blocked by airport security. Madeline gets like really into it with some like TSA lady. And at one point she's like, and I am calling you a fucking moron. So some guy starts grabbing at Madeline. That's when Bruce is just like, hey, watch it. She's a doctor. Well,
1: oh, this is when Dr. Peter's here, the creepy redhead, is uh, they like scanned his weird briefcase. It has these like, you know, glass canister things in them. And they're like, uh, what's this? And he's like, oh, they're biological samples. I have all the paperwork here. And he's like, well, can you open it? And he's just like, he kind of pauses for a minute, like, "Are you going to do this? Okay, let's do it. You know. And he opens up, he's like, sure.
0: Yeah. Well, the worst is when he opens it, he's, like you said, he's just like running it under the guy's yeah. nose. Doesn't like, even yeah, smell. Doesn't smell. Yeah. Um. So he starts to step away. He gets called back, like the Hitchcock callback. And he like pauses like, oh shit. He turns around. The TSA guy's like, Hey, you forgot your speedo. It fell out of your bag here. Is that really his speedo? And I love, well, I love, though, that he's on this plague world trip, but he was looking at least to get his buns in the sun at some point. Seriously.
1: <laughs> and that guy's just hey, like folks. holding them up. Thanks a lot, man.
0: Yeah. You're about to go into quarantine or whatever, but get your buns in the sun now. Yeah. Um, so the events of the dream happen.
1: Yeah. The. They, they're like no that's the guy that's the guy and so he like runs through the uh, Cole runs through the metal detector it starts going off beep 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 beep
0: Which, are you having chills are you not like reliving a movie from your childhood and it's like happening uh-huh. it's very real situation now I love it's all the, like, the weird canted
1: angles and the haziness and we see young James is there and he. Uh, Dr. Peters rushes by and says, watch out to him as he goes by. Love it. Mm.
0: Yeah, so the the pursuing cops shoot Bruce Wells from behind and he falls over. She runs over and catches him.
1: Dr. Peters gets away and I, I like like you can see everyone else is like ducked for cover except for him like in the yellow windbreaker like fleeing down the hall in the distance. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just like a neat shot.
0: Yeah. So he says something to her. James Cole does. We can't hear what it is. He dies. And that's when she like looks around and makes eye contact with little James Cole and smiles at him as they take her away. Um, David Morse gets on the plane. I love that he's like out of breath.
1: Yeah, there's a little adrenaline there.
0: So do you have the dialogue here?
1: Uh, I do not now. Do you have it?
0: Yeah. So he's getting into his seat and the woman is going to be sitting next to him in maybe first class. I can't tell. They've got some champagne, yeah. Yeah, 1996, first class, and she's like, "It's obscene, all the violence, all the lunacy, shootings, even at airports now." You might say that we're the next endangered species, human beings. And he's like, "I think you're right, madam. I think you've hit the nail on the head." And she like then like turns and like offers him her hand in a very stern fashion. She's like, "Jones is my name. I'm in insurance."
1: <laughs> Just leaves you oh. leaves it up to you to determine what exactly that means.
0: So uh, then we're we're outside like looking down at the parking lot structure, which this I think is physically shaped to look like the actual jetty from Le Jetty, which is interesting mm. considering the trivia here. But little Cole is like walking with his family back to the car. Um, he stares up at the planes as they're flying away and we kind of end on this like zoom in on his eyes. And we just know this kid's fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was the – that's a movie. the producer yeah the producer was like we should end it here and uh gilliam was like no no i want to end it you know with the dream like i want that to be the beginning and the end of the movie and the producer's like no i'm promising you like watching the kid in the car with his family like that's where you should end it and gilliam's like i'll tell you what i will only do that if you can give me this massive crane shot super expensive blah 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 and the producer's like you got it <laughs> Oh, we should mention so too, quick, Gilliam
1: had final cut on this movie.
0: Which is wild because he didn't expressly on Brazil right before this. Uh-huh. Like there was a whole, like he, they didn't give him final cut. And I think he had to go into variety and like take out a full page ad.
1: There's a lot like of drama about attacking that.
0: Yeah, this, yeah like attacking the studio for not giving him full cut. Um, so some of the casting choices. Picture the movie of this. Nick Nolte.
1: Yeah, Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges.
0: Robert De Niro, Stallone, no. Bridges was originally considered for Jeffrey, then considered for Cole, wild.
1: Well, no, I'm trying to remember what was the detail. Um, oh, yeah. So apparently they did do test screenings for this and the audiences hated the ending, but he stuck with it anyway. And, uh, yep. you know, now we have a, I, I call it a classic. I feel like it doesn't really get the kind of, uh, I don't know, a claim that it should maybe.
0: You know, no. it's kind of lost. I, in, you
1: know, it was like Tarantino era, you know, like, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not remembered as much from that era as it should be. I don't think. I mean, like, does anyone I, watch the English patient now?
0: Seriously. Sex in the tub. That doesn't work. Um, Even though, doesn't that feature young Saeed?
1: I don't know. I've never seen it.
0: Um, I appreciate though that on headcanon, we've been exploring some of the, uh, you know, classic Canon from our youth sure (laughs) um because you know i will get into a fight in a bar over sneakers as opposed to like say the english patient um yeah yeah well uh any complaints uh the ones i've written down they're kind of like loose something maybe to do with more with jeffrey like i said he's talking about enlightenment that's kind of where he's going he's played as a joke um maybe that's the right angle i don't know but it's it's kind of tough because there's a movie that gravitates towards being about the internal versus the external i want to say more madeline but i don't know she might get the right amount i don't i don't know well she kind of takes over the movie at the
1: end too yeah 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 um mine i, I could have done with less drool you know <laughs> Fair, just less drool. That's my note. Um, make one change.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's where I was at with Jeffrey. Yeah. Um, I, I maybe have a, something
1: there, but I don't know what. I have a, a. That was my complaint about the drool. But my make one change is actually. Um, I think you just uh, take out the implied rape attempt. I don't think it adds okay. anything Perfect. to the movie at all. And no, it, it, yeah. it it it's it's this very tropey. Like he defends her virtue, therefore she's now like you know attracted to him. Like I don't know. It's just. It's like it's kind of a gross trope that you see in a lot of fiction that's definitely written by men, you know.
0: Yeah, especially since I feel like all of the building blocks are there to argue that she's you just drawn didn't to need him. that
1: at all. Like it could no. have just been they were getting mugged and he like, you know, beat the guy up and like you don't have to like yeah. like there's no reason for the, the guy to all of a sudden be like, you know, unbuckling his pants or whatever.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and that, and yeah, I agree. Like the specific like beyond like physical violent assault to just being like, this is a sexual assault.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. silly man. Power rankings. I mean, there's not a lot of characters here, but I've got 10.
0: I've got 14. How? I stretched it. Okay. Well, uh, s- number 14, um, the guy in the theater who shushes them. Oh, that's me. 13, Jose, 12, the cab driver. um, I thought she was fun, especially when like Madeline is like so thrilled. Oh, that's what they're up to. <laughs> LOL, the army of the 12 monkeys. And the woman's just like, whatever. Um, and the number 11, every other weird extra or bit player in this movie that I haven't covered elsewhere in my my rankings because they're all fascinating.
1: What's your 10? I got Jose
0: at 10. Okay. John Cena. Uh. At 10, I've got Detective Christopher Maloney. Well, he did not make my rankings. That's fair.
1: Yeah. You're going to hate one of mine. I know you know that. Number okay, nine, cool. I've got uh, Dr. Goins, Christopher Plummer. Okay. Another uh, repeat in 2020 on the headcanon. Yeah. I mean, has Christopher Plummer ever disappointed you? I feel like he's just like a really solid actor, even in like tiny little parts, you know?
0: Well, you know what role I think he's incredible in that you completely forget is him? Mm-hmm. Star Trek six, baby.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's true.
0: i mean, the part, which is tone from real life where they're on trial and he's like, no, don't wait for the translation. Answer the question now. Yeah. (laughs) I think he's like general Chang, which is a funny name for a Klingon. Uh, my number nine is Louis slash the voice.
1: Oh, I've got him at eight.
0: Okay. Um, at eight, I've got LJ Washington who is not really from outer space.
1: I do not have him on here. I've got the uh, Jones at number seven though. Okay. She was the only one of the uh, doctors that really stood out to me at all.
0: Well, yeah, it's hard not to be like being the only woman.
1: And just like the that- weird glasses. And I don't know. I feel like she's has the interesting lines. Like, Oh, you told us we weren't real, you know?
0: Well, I think that that's gotta be intentional, right? They've got to engineer her yeah. to stand out in every way. Uh, at seven, I've got Teddy, Fail, and B, the no. three people who know Jeffrey from the FAA.
1: Yeah, the, I, feel, I try to wear his line. something like pusillanimous, something, something. Anytime you can work the yeah. word, work the word uh, pusillanimous into your dialogue, I feel like you're doing something right.
0: Yeah, do it. Which six?
1: Um, speaking of pusillanimous, uh, Dr. Fletcher, the Riddler, his weird oh, fucking okay. mouth.
0: All the weird know. mouth sounds he makes. Shockingly, I don't think the Riddler's on my list. Wow,
1: but Filoni made it.
0: Yeah, not Filoni. Maloney.
1: Maloney, whatever. (laughs) And
0: Dave Filoni with his weird hat.
1: Are you excited about Ahsoka being a Mandalorian season two?
0: I'm very curious what you think of that.
1: It's just like, oh, I I thought we were just doing a Mandalorian show. But no, like every other thing Dave Filoni does is just a backdoor to force his fucking favorite character into.
0: I will argue it's probably the best possible casting of that
1: whatever i mean it's gonna be like completely under makeup so i'm not even sure why people care but
0: but i have to wonder though if you're john favreau why are you allowing this because this the, doesn't this basically like the thing that usurps you
1: yeah i don't know i mean it could just be like a cameo who knows
0: i don't i just I just worry like if i'm john favreau and filoni's like can we work ahsoka into the scene i have to pause and wonder hey am i training my replacement yeah um, six is where I have Christopher Plummer who never lets me down. I actually forgot he was in this movie, but, uh, very small part. Yeah. Shockingly small.
1: Yeah. Pretty small part. Uh, number five, you won't like this. I've got accordions okay. cause the soundtrack slaps. It's awesome. Interesting. Love, Interesting. love the accordions.
0: It made me think of other strange soundtrack or score choices. And you know, which one came to mind? Uh no. I will tell you the track name if you can guess the movie. Okay. The track on the soundtrack is called The Big Top. Oh, uh from Boogie nights And I love that
1: and that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. See, I I don't see the circus music. It's just like a little riff on an accordion.
0: I think it's definitely meant to play with like the absurdest carnival of this whole story. Mm-hmm. Uh my number five is the scientists, but especially, especially Jones, the astrophysicist. She's insurance
1: i've got dr peters at number four that creepy same. bastard
0: same i just david think morse man i just think that we slept on david morse like did we
1: honestly did we really? honestly
0: though tell me that he couldn't have done a version of hannibal lecter
1: uh he just has like a I, he's not refined like anthony hopkins is i guess you know
0: i wonder if he could get there
1: i mean let me look at this guy's indb here and like
0: He's, he's like always just like TV bit
1: parts. Oh, he's in a movie called Trouble. Interesting. Oh.
0: Who was he in yeah, I True I
1: Detective? I don't really remember that. I guess he was there though. Of season oh. one.
0: Oh, I don't remember him at all.
1: Though. Yeah, no. Oh, he was in Drive Angry.
0: I never saw that.
1: He was in The Hurt Locker. Disturbia. definitely remember him there. Playing another serial killer. Is-
0: isn't he basically... He's the Raymond Burr ca- character in that, right?
1: Raymond Burr?
0: Well, because it's basically Rear Window, right?
1: I've never seen Rear Window, but he's he's the bad guy.
0: Bro, you gotta see Rear Window.
1: Yeah, I will get to it.
0: It's probably the most crowd-pleasing Hitchcock movie. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I you I, I just don't
1: like Jimmy Stewart that much. Fucking Susie's uh, pedals.
0: Wow, you've just fucking... Yeah, that's right. It's like you... Blew my mind and kicked me in the kidney at the same time. Good. Uh, James Stewart is, is you know, the proto Tom Hanks. Yeah. I guess I'm not a huge Tom Hanks fan either. I don't dislike what him. What the fuck? I don't
1: dislike what him. But maybe, I just feel like he's been, like, playing, like, the most boring character for, like, the past 20 years now. And, like, I don't know. Like, Tom Hanks. I will argue. Stop playing. Correct. His, stop playing Sully. His, you
0: know? his career has perhaps gone downhill. Mm-hmm. In the last 15 years, I never saw Sully. I listened to the podcast about Sully, but he went out and got coronavirus for all us sinners. So respect. Um, but Rear Window, if not appearing on this podcast, is going to be a prescient movie to people, I think, in a few weeks <laughs> <laughs> as they look out their window and start eyeing their neighbors. Uh, where are we at? We both had
1: We, had both, we probably the, all uh, have the same from here on out. I've yeah. got uh, Jeffrey Goins at three. Yep. James Cole it too. Yep. Catherine Ray the you want. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many characters in this movie and I feel like they slot in pretty naturally in the top four or five there. Yeah.
0: I, so the reason why Bruce Willis is my number two and not my number one is because I think at the time this was like a mind blowing role for him, which he basically did for only points on the back end yeah, at the yeah. time. Because he had to, he kept being asked by Gilliam to lower his salary more and more and more to like get this thing greenlit. But it was definitely a surprising role for him at the time because he was basically uh, whoever the fuck he played on Moonlighting, whatever that character was called, David, I think, probably David. And then he was, you know, um, John McClane. Fuck, John McClane. And this is like a way different subdued role. And it's interesting, but it's almost kind of a one note performance
1: to me it's just the drool it's a little too gross for me he's like he can be like frustrating at times in the movie you know um,
0: yeah i mean there's no blue steel but at the same time we're not really like we're doing more work as an audience to unlock the dilemma of cole's brain than he is like i could i we're could just, entertain
1: some other casting choices you know <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like maybe we're not like now, jeff so- bridges or you know uh who was the other one? Nick Nolte. Maybe not them, but I feel like there's probably some other actors from the nineties who could have done this.
0: I can't do that impression of Nick Nolte. No. no. I want to be a whole person. Yeah. Um, oh, that hurt. I, uh, yeah. whereas Madeline Stowe, I would argue is also kind of a one note performance, but she's so dynamic and watchable. Like you could have given even more chunks of this movie to her to carry. Um, I tried to watch, 10 minutes of the first episode of the TV show version. Oof. And Meredith is in Oof. that. Yeah, Meredith is in that. See, I, don't, Pyro.
1: I don't understand why you... Like, what's the point of making it a TV show? Because it, my impression, having not watched it, is that it's it's not a Terry Gilliam TV show. It's just a TV show about, like, a virus or something, right? And, like, time travel?
0: Yeah. But, like, they, they go... I think eventually they go a lot harder on the time travel. Like, they create and recreate weird realities. And, and there's like a terrorist organization that time travels. I feel like it eventually from reading the Wikipedia article gets into some of the same bonkers weeds that uh continuum eventually did. I think, but like
1: that's all, I mean, it could be an interesting TV show, I guess, but that like, I don't like 12 monkeys is it's intended to be a movie, you know, like it is very yeah. clearly like an artistic expression and it's filmed and shot in a very strange, weird, like, you know, dreamy way. Like it's not a TV show. Like you can't just be like, oh, it's a story about a, a guy who goes back in time to stop a virus. Let's make that yeah. a show. Like, that's not what this movie is, you know? Like, well, like it's, it's just like a completely surface level interpretation of it.
0: Like in and the Jeffrey Goins character, I think, is a woman. She's like Stevie from Shits Creek. I it seems like they could have titled it something else because they're not really sticking around with the 12 monkeys that yeah, long. Yeah. But uh like scene two of the show is him abducted, and she's like a she's like a virologist in it. Like he, she he, ad, the he abducts CDC. Meredith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh! The best part. Oh, she's named Cassandra. Name Cassandra. Yeah. Cassandra Rayleigh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. <sighs> well, that was Twelve Monkeys. What are we going to do next? I think it's your turn to pick.
0: So I have four choices for you. Oh, okay. On one hand, these choices are pretty lazy.
1: I've got a fifth choice, maybe, depending on what you uh, recommend here.
0: Okay, because these are all older movies. Okay. So I was trying to think of like some guilty pleasures, some slight, some of them are slightly tangentially related to the current day. So I'm going to throw them out. One, Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Two, Dawn of the Dead, the original. Original. Three, Network. Hmm four we're gonna do it at some point so let's talk about it now
1: big lebowski i just feel like you can't do a podcast about big lebowski like there's just no point that's fair it's just I mean, like it's just gonna be it's oh look be you're, quoting, you're quoting all yeah. the lines that everyone knows you know that's um fair. let me give you something a little, a little bit more modern that i'm pretty okay. sure is out on video now That i feel like we have to do at some point
0: if you say star wars i will i will Bite my teeth into your juggler and I will not stop biting until your head falls off the back of your shoulders.
1: No, but it was released on the same day. Can you guess? Oh, is it cats? Cats. I mean, are we don't watch the it, whole cut. Haven't we? Hasn't it been a while since we did a movie that that's clearly terrible?
0: What are we drinking? Do you have enough booze in your house for when we do cats?
1: I've got some Shock Top. So okay. I mean, I suppose we could start to imbibe.
0: I mean, does it seem like a movie you want to be sober for? (laughs) All right, folks, we're going to cover cats.
1: You know, I think originally we were going to like watch that together and then podcast. I guess we can't do that exactly. But maybe we can just both agree to start watching it around the same time because I kind of want to just like jump in fresh, you know, like I don't want to like watch this and make notes and talk about the next day. I just want to like get it all out of my system immediately like we did with like the Fifty Shades podcast
0: okay so like watch it like the day like like a couple hours before we record or whatever yeah make some quick notes okay
1: watch it make a few notes you know don't have to get fancy or anything and then just jump right in
0: all right so this will be insane
1: because it's out right i'm pretty sure it's out right
0: if i'm sure we can find it
1: okay well that's what we're doing next time
0: okay which will probably be what do you think like in a week I guess I mean I I'm giving
1: myself until well I guess Monday is when I want to start kind of officially working on troll book two again but Mm. yeah I can carve out some time to do cats but yeah it's (laughs) I gave myself like three weeks there about so it's time to dive back in and and start revisions
0: excellent excellent all right all right folks cats
1: until then have a good one
0: bye-bye